Hey guys, Hydroberg here, Cut Above Horror Review. This night I'll possess your corpse. No, not literally. That's the name of tonight's film. So if rapey dudes with absurdly long fingernails is your thing, then come join us as we see what our boy Coffin Joe has been up to since we last saw him. Episode 96 of A Cut Above Horror Review starts now. Cut my life into pieces! Bon night and welcome to a Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host Jacqueline and tonight we'll be discussing This Night I'll Possess Your Corpse from 1967. First, <laughs> yes I will. But first, let's meet everyone else on the show. First up, it's Hydraberg. What's going on, Hydraberg? <laughs> What's going on? What was that thing that came out of your mouth when you What, what did you say? Bon night. Oh, okay, okay. That's why you say good evening in Portuguese. I love that. That was very cool. I, that's oh, what I figured. You. Either that or you sneeze <laughs> a little bit before you talk, and I wasn't sure. That too. Who can tell? Uh, good uh, night to you as well. Thank you. Um, you excited to talk about this movie? Oh, yeah. It's been a long time coming. It's This is a tantalizing film. <laughs> oh, a tank film. All right. I like that vocab word. And next up, we got John. How you doing, John? Uh, what's going on, Hydraberg? What's going on, Jacqueline? Uh, I actually did not shave my eyebrows, so I'm going to keep the unibrow for, for this evening. <laughs> I was so. thinking you look very Coffin Joe this evening. Yeah. Thank you. I didn't cut my fingernails. I don't know. If you know but... <laughs> and yeah, I got pregnant. So... Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Johnny, you excited? <laughs> you excited to continue our uh, two-year-long uh, discussion on Coffin Joe tonight? Hey, mine. Um, Revisiting an old friend from our early days? I, yeah, I think I'll get into it, but yeah, I'm actually excited to talk about this movie. Like cool. putting on a pair of old, comfortable shoes, you know? Yes, yes. And not and shaving going, the unibrow. And, and not shaving the unibrow. Walking around in those shoes and raping somebody. Oh, God. <laughs> We've got trash bags. we got unibrows. we got... We got everything on this show. Oh, yeah. There's been a lot of unibrows in the past year, I would say. There has been. A proliferation, if you will. Has there? Yeah. A melange of a melange. unibrows. <laughs> I, I, we're feeling a little silly tonight, I think. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this movie was silly. I'm sorry. The, there was some silliness to be had. It's true. But we'll get into it. Um, Heidelberg, I believe you wanted to make a little announcement slash shout out to some friends of ours. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to give me back my action in horror movies. I want to tell them uh, congratulations on their hundredth anniversary. I mean, hundredth episode. Um, nice. They've been doing it for a hundred years. Yeah. hundred years. They don't even look a day over 85. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, congratulations on behalf of us at a cut above. Um, I just want to say it's been a blast working with them on the, the children of corn, uh, cornucopia collabo. And mm. wish them the best in their next hundred and stay tuned because both our shows might have a team up in the near future. Yeah. 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 Congratulations, guys. We're so excited for you and happy for you. Um, you guys have a wonderful show and I hope that we'll be able to collaborate a lot more uh, in the next year. So. Yeah. They covered uh, Demolition Man, which is a which is a action film I quite love from when I was young. I love that movie. Yeah. I, I mean, love that a, movie. A good time back in the day. The, the seashells, the three seashells. Oh, yeah, I still don't know how they work. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> you just curse and then you like Jacqueline hasn't paper, seen right? Demolition Man. I have not seen it. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm trying to figure it. out how seashells could have anything to do with anything here. <laughs> oh, you got to watch Don't tell it. me. I'll watch it. 
It is a good film. Well, we haven't figured it out yet. So yeah, watch okay. it and tell All us right. if you know. I'm yeah. sure I, I, I'm sure I will be the one to figure it out upon a first viewing after yeah. That's fair. <laughs> Great That's cinematic fair. minds have puzzled over it and continue to puzzle mm-hmm. over it. We could start um, our own podcast just based around the seashells. That would be very niche. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John, you have any horror news for us this week? I actually do. Uh, have you guys seen that Dahmer monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story on Netflix? On Netflix? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a few episodes of it. I haven't seen the whole thing. It got like a billion views within like the first day Dang. or first couple of days. Yeah. Wow. It was so to capitalize on that, they're doing another one. It's called Monsters, the Lyle and Eric Menendez story. Oh, God. This is starting to feel a little ghoulish. I know. Yeah. Well, that's his thing. It's going to be like the Monsters show, and then it's going to be based around different serial killers, I guess. Uh, What is it, Ryan Murphy? It is Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I just feel a little uneasy about it because I heard about, yeah, I heard about some backlash by. You know, the the families of Dahmer's victims mm-hmm. saying that, like, it was still too focused on him and not enough on the the victims and that it was, like, exploitive of their tragedy and that it was really painful for them to see this yeah. you know, show it, built around it. It's just, like, a little... Here's yeah, what little... makes it worse, though, is that Eric and Lyle are both still alive in a California, Southern California prison, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like... You're going to exploit that? <laughs> like, yeah, on. then they put a spotlight on these guys and somehow draw more attention to them than they don't deserve to be really talked about. Um, yeah, I mean, I did I did see the entirety of the Dahmer one, and uh, the, the beginning of it starts out a lot based around his character. Um, mm-hmm. A majority of it still does. I mean, but they, I did think they showed um, the victims in a, in a decent light where, I, for me, who's not as familiar with all the, all the murders and stuff like that, it was interesting to see that. And I did... There are a couple episodes that really were kind of heartfelt where I felt really bad for these people and their families. But I can understand I'm not attached to that. If you had someone who lost their life because of this man, like you don't want to see that as a TV show being Mm -hmm. glorified, regardless Mm -hmm. of how they show portray your loved one. You know, Um, so it's a it's I don't know. It's a weird situation. It's not a spoiler, but Lyle and Eric Menendez, really, they killed their parents just because they wanted the money. I mean, it was yeah. just like that's not a spoiler. <laughs> like everybody knows. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, like how much drama can you show? These spoiled ass rich kids just wanted their parents money. That's all it is. Yeah. I, don't I know. mean, you could take you could take so many other freaking <laughs> killers like serial killers. You can take Ed Gein. God damn it. Um, you know, that, that 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 was based off of Texas Chainsaw, Psycho, whatever it was, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But these I guys, that's ridiculous. So I'm not going to come right out and condemn this type of show. I'm all I I just think it's like at best a complicated ethical issue. Yeah, it is. It is. But 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 there are discussions to be had. And there's other stories to be told, not these guys, you know, they're spoiled rich kids from Mm -hmm. Los Angeles. So Mm -hmm. I think a show like Mindhunter kind of handled this sort of topic a little bit better, but it didn't focus on one particular killer. Mm hmm. Or even a show like Unsolved Mysteries, where it's about the crime and the victims and not the killer. Right. And yeah. a lot of a lot of crimes were solved by people watching Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. Fuck it. I, I just keep thinking of that Unsolved Mysteries music in the background. Bum, 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 bum. Yes. Bum, bum, bum. Creepy. That movie, that uh, music really oh, freaked me geez. out as a kid. I like your idea, Jacqueline. We should do that. We should do like a, like a movie or a documentary about the real life stuff. Mm-hmm. Bring it back. Yeah. Did they do that, though? They, they did, did bring back, back on Yeah, they did do a reboot. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Uh, Joe Bob, did you guys watch it this past weekend? No. Quite a little bit. I, I had seen the first movie, but I happened to catch that. Witchboard, right? Yeah, Witchboard. Oh, my gosh. Really? It was Witchboard. Yeah, yeah. Straight Chilling guys covered that. A that while was my first Straight Chilling episode. Oh, that's was right. it really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Are you excited? What are you saying? Katan. Yeah, hold on a second. Jacqueline, did you like that movie? Well, I haven't seen it in like 15, 20 years. So I do not know why I picked that as my first episode of Straight Chilling. It's not like I had just watched it. But um, I I don't remember it too well. I think it was just kind of like a cheapo, like a cheap kind of throwaway film. But um, I don't have bad memories of it. I just... It's it's got uh-huh. its moments, but it is like Jacqueline said that it's cheapo sort of film. It's no witchcraft, am I right? Spoils a heart. No, <laughs> but what is? Yeah, that's true. But no, I it's it's there's some fun moments in that film, but I don't know. It's it's stupid too. There's dumb moments, but well, I don't know what it is. Topic here because they're doing a remake of it. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. I was I was like, wait, what? How do I get back to the beginning here? What was John telling us about Witchboard? No, oh, okay. So they're, they're doing, doing a, a remake of it. They've okay. casted it. Uh, nobody that you would know, but um, yeah, they're they're <laughs> remaking the movie. I guess you know, uh, watching it on Jill Bob. Um, I guess it would be one of those like really bad, not really bad movies, but like one of those bad movies that if you remade it, it could be better. It could be better. Yeah. 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 Maybe this is an opportunity. It could be. Yeah. Maybe I kind of like the be fact amazing. that they're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> they're not casting anybody known. I kind of enjoy that about smaller films like that anyway. Yeah. Right. I'll try. I'll try it. Uh, so set photos have been released of the upcoming finale of Ty West trilogy, Maxine. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about this because I finally watched Pearl and obviously we reviewed X. Um, Mia Goth is, wow, she's a, she's a national treasure treasure now, even though she's British. I was yeah. going to say, she's not our national national treasure because she's all about the horror movie. She was in yeah. uh, the, the Infinity, Infinity Pool, Pool, which she was good in that. we possibly could be reviewing here in the near future. But yeah, they showed pictures of her um, just walking down the streets of Los Angeles. And uh, man, I'm excited about this. It's coming out, I guess, uh, the middle of the year. I got okay. excited too when I saw those pictures. I bet you did. <laughs> I got Pretty Woman vibes for a moment there. Yeah, a little I bit. That. She yeah. looks really tall too. Is she really that tall? I, like there was a the actress that she was walking next to, but it just looked like she was like a foot taller than her. I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, I'm trying it. to find that picture. Oh, there it is. Um, could be, or she could be wearing like major platform heels or something. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, yeah I... Somebody posted it in the Slack, and I will agree with something somebody said, which is that her hair is not nearly big enough. It's the eighties. Yeah. Oh, for the eighties, it should be like teased to high heavens. Yeah, someone also said she looked like Taylor Swift, and she kind of does. I could a little bit, yeah. Yeah, She's got the the, like wavy bangs thing. Yeah, yeah. It was the woman that was next to her that reminded me of Pretty Woman a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Laura Sangiacomo. Is that who that was? I cannot believe I remembered that. Holy fuck! Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The best friend. You're right. The best friend. Oh, from Pretty Woman. Okay. Mm -hmm. My movies crossed there. She's hot, by the way. Yeah. Well, cool. Not Julia yeah. Roberts. She looks like a horse, but um, oh my god, rude! How dare you? What, Julia Roberts? False. She's a very attractive, rude, horse. and false. Fuck. No, she's not. Jonathan. <laughs> what? 
That is, oh, that's is, oh, that's a hot take. Julia Roberts is not hot. That is a hot take. I think she's attractive, but um, oh my, she's very attractive, especially in. No, in she's not. Women. Yeah, I was just <laughs> I was mainly opinion. surprised with the harshness, like the sudden harshness. <laughs> yeah, he was Julie just like, Roberts she's is like, not that attractive. Well, that's one thing, but to just be like, she looks like a horse. Like, well, that's been said she before. does though. It's so there was a mean tweets on like Jimmy Kimmel, oh. where, and that was one of them, and she read it. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't see that one. But like, again, Julia Julie Roberts, Roberts is not that attractive. Wow, yeah. I'm surprised. Okay, like, hey, everybody has their own taste. I'm just surprised. I wasn't expecting that. Okay, I, I, I personally <laughs> disagree, I but it's okay. I, I didn't mean to get controversial on this. Freaking, <laughs> she's a thoroughbred. I don't know what John got canceled because he doesn't think Julia Roberts <laughs> is hot. Oh Damn! My oh my gosh, that is kind of a hot take in my opinion. I think I've most people it. think I've heard she's. That before, though. That's I think fine. most okay. people think she's at least like attractive, maybe not like super hot, but she's not though. I think oh, she's wow. a good actress. I don't know. She uh, what was that one where she was a lawyer, um, like a single mom? Erin Brockovich. Yeah, she looked really good in that too. Yeah. No, that was a good movie, but it's just all right, all right. I liked her in Ocean's Twelve. I thought she was beautiful and pretty woman. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Sorry. That, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where to go. You know, horses are beautiful creatures, by the way, John. So <laughs> they're majestic for sure, but yeah. she's not majestic. She's just she not that certain, attractive. She has a certain equine beauty. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> she's not Rob Zombie's wife. Uh, what's her oh, name? Oh, damn. You got it. Wow. The, there we go. Was this all just a ploy for you to say Rob Zombie? Because that was genius. No, not at all. I'm not. <laughs> just, I, I, he just made up this whole diatribe to say that. I, I actually just thought of it because you guys are like attacking me because it's a hot take of Julie Roberts is not. I do not mean to attack you. I was just surprised. That's all. Anyway. Anyway. He hot. Who? Michelle Yao. Well, yeah. Is that your next news? He is gorgeous. I think if these are just musings by John. They are. I, I'm like staring off just thinking about I her. Right by now. John. Is there a poster of her on the wall that you're looking at right now? No. That's I'm just, what it looks like. I'm fantasizing <laughs> about her. He's got a poster of Michelle Yeah on his wall. Yeah. Riding <laughs> Julia Roberts. Wow. It's a, it's a oh my God. Riding Julia Roberts. He helped me with that. Thank you, Heidelberg. I appreciate that. Yeah. Julia, yeah. if you're listening, and I know you are. We're the so opinions hard. of one do not represent the opinions of all. Well, that would be two now. They're not so. the official opinion. I didn't say she loves. So uh, the, the opinions of two do I not along officially represent this uh, show. So, oh lord, sorry, well, Jacqueline. Y'all want to talk about some coffin Joe here, or should we just yes, talk yes, about sorry. horses? <laughs> sorry, it's okay. Jacqueline, so I, I guess we have to decide if this movie fucks or sucks. So, Jacqueline, well, this is your pick this week. Uh, does this movie fuck or suck? Well, before I. Yeah, pontificate. Why Before I pontificate on, on its fuckage or suckage, I will um, explain myself here. Um, this movie was my pick, as once again, I'm sure everyone could tell. Uh, <laughs> our very second episode that we ever recorded, not our second episode released, the second episode we ever recorded was the first part of the Coffin Joe trilogy, which is a um, a Brazilian horror film trilogy. Um so that we covered the first one almost exactly two years ago. So that was my very first pick, you know, since we started rotating picks from the very first episode. I don't know why that was my first pick. I just kind of felt like it. And I was surprised at the time that you guys reacted so positively to that movie because it's it's really old. The first part was from 1963. It's in black and white. The picture quality is not great at all. Um, you kind of had to watch it on this like random website and 
um, you know, it has a certain kind of old, you know, pastiche and unprofessional sort of quality to it. So, but you guys responded, I think, with a net positive kind of reaction. And so I thought, well, okay, I, I'm surprised how much they kind of accepted it. So I thought, well, sometime down down the road, I'll pick the second one and we'll continue the trilogy. And I was just thinking about it recently and realized that two years had gone by. And I thought, well, I think it's about time for us to get back to this here trilogy and revisit. Yeah, we covered old... it in April. Yeah. I thought yeah. it was time to to revisit old Coffin Joe. So here we are with this night, I'll possess your corpse. Uh, so does it fuck or does it suck? Um, there, There is some problematic sexual activity <laughs> in this fuck but i i still say that uh overall i think i think this movie fucks john what do you think uh coffin joe 2 electric boogaloo uh <laughs> let's see here <laughs> um jacqueline i agree i think there's a lot of problematic fucking in here but it it overall was entertaining i mean it was what this is 1967 so like three two three years after the original was made and it was um it was actually a fun watch i actually enjoyed myself throughout the movie it, it, and it was like you know and i guess if i'm putting it in fucking terms it's like like oh yeah that was fun oh wait this kind of sucked but oh wait this is fun <laughs> you know it was like that off and on like really enjoyable fuck but kind of goes off the rails a little bit uh-huh okay that's my opinion okay cool hydroberg what about you does it fuck or suck uh yeah uh like trying to bed your lady the same day as her brother's funeral this is a flaccid <laughs> fuck for me okay or frigid i don't know which one's which flaccid is it's a little bit over yeah fuck, yeah frigid is like not neutral like it doesn't fuck and it doesn't, it doesn't suck, suck but it's okay. not it's got issues okay as does coffin joe himself he's got some yeah. yeah john you want to hit us with a spoiler warning so we can get into it sure uh we are going to be talking about this night i'll possess you your corpse from 1967 in its entirety if you have not seen this movie pause the podcast go watch it on youtube which we i think we all watched it yeah uh and then come back to find out what we thought about it all right hydroberg this i'm looking forward to yeah me too do you have a reach around for us I do. It's a non-consensual reach around. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Ready? Yep. Coffin Joe's back and at it again. The court has decided he's an innocent man. Off the hook for his crimes and now a free man. In his hometown is where he does land. A pillar of the community is something he's not. His penchant for murder is a dark spot. A reputation for sadism is what got him caught. In the market for a wife and a child, no matter the cost. His corpse a vessel for a curse from a woman he crossed. Took the life of a child, now his message is lost. From rape to murder, he's committed the deeds, but can't seem to seal the deal and plant his own seed. A son to become immortal is something he needs. The basis of his beliefs and his inspiration for his misdeeds. Disavowed our Lord Jesus, the one and true Savior. Lost his wife and his son, complications in labor. All because Joe didn't love thy own neighbor. The townspeople band together to see to his death. Fell into the lake and took his last breath. Surrounded by victims, his life too now lost. All because he didn't reach out for the cross. Wow. I love that. Well done. Thank so you. Good. Well done. So good. <clears throat> okay. So the first part was, and forgive me because I was un under the influence of alcohol uh, when we first reviewed. Um, 
uh, at midnight, I'll take your soul. Um, so this ended or this began where the first movie yeah, ended, which I do like. It takes place like directly after. Yeah. Uh, so right what after- happened to his eyes again? I forgot. He was I- so he was like scared to death. Yeah. Uh, in the end of the last one, he was driven mad almost. And well, see, I remember him like going into this trance where his eyes would like, like, like go bloodshot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like his Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde mode. Yes. Right, right. Even though he's kind of always Mr. Hyde, but he gets more more yeah. Mr. Hyde when his yeah. eyes get bloodshot. So if I remember correctly, the, the storyline in the first one is so simple. It's just like he's looking for a so-called superior woman to have a baby with to continue his like superior bloodline. That's like his driving mm-hmm. force. Um, he totally ridicules religion superstition anything that's outside of like the faculties of man and man's reason um, and he's never satanic in this movie no it's no both. no he he, he he ridicules the concept of the devil as much as right. the also, concept of god yeah. and so like the whole movie in the first one if i remember correctly is just literally him like walking around trying to find the best woman and then like and getting in a bar make fight. her yeah getting in bar fights cheating at cards make making her like forcing a woman to like carry his baby basically. Um, And so if I remember at the end of the first one, he goes to like some tomb, like a mausoleum for some reason. And does he see some like apparitions or something? And his eyes bug out. Yeah. They come out of the, uh, the caskets. Yeah. The the tombs. Yeah. The the sarcophagi or whatever. And they're like covered in maggots and spiders and stuff like that. And, they like basically are coming at him and, and he's like driven mad almost. Mm-hmm. And that's townspeople like find him. There was yeah. a lot more so nudity this in one this one though. Picks up. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Also, I mean, I it do was feel just like, like... Oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Jacqueline. I was just going to throw this in there. I feel like it's notable to mention. Um, I think the, the reason that the first one is considered so significant is that it was basically the first horror movie ever in Brazil. Yeah. So, okay. Just throwing that in there. And yeah, well, yeah he, he was like raised on film. I remember when I was looking into the director, um, writer. Yes. Yes. I think his family had like a theater or something like that. He was raised around as a kid or something like that. His father, yeah, his father worked in a theater. And so so he was like obsessed with it. He was like, he he basically would like live there and often he would sleep there. So, um, well, here's the thing about the movie is that that as cheesy, because like halfway through, not even halfway, like three quarters of the way through the movie, there's this fight scene. You know, you see these, these, hooligans like beating his ass right and it's just like this is 1967 so that we've reviewed movies that were worse than this and it's more modern you know i'm i'm looking at you thanks killing i'm looking at you freaking poultry guys sorry all about the birds but um, i was gonna say (laughs) we're doing doing bird demic next (laughs) yes are we really no No. there's three of those by the way um how is it possible no i i (laughs) there's a certain level of charm of being in black and white and by the way that color scene when he goes to hell or like his vision of hell was actually really good as far as the aesthetic of it and it's like going from black and white and like this really like you know 35 millimeter camera shot to like whatever they got in brazil it was just like it it was almost like technicolor and it was great i enjoyed that that what? That was the, I said I didn't anticipate that at all, like the the color coming into uh, play. At but all. how fun was that? It was I mean, interesting. Think yeah. about it. It's still 1967, and he, this guy is filming this movie in black and white. But like being able to convert to that, 
like making it colorful, but you're in hell. Yeah, yeah. It was like, I mean, it was well, stupid it's very like Wizard because... of Oz, you know. Yeah. It's very Wizard of Oz, or even very, yeah. Bride, if you guys ever saw the Corpse Bride, yeah. where like his real life is very dull and humdrum, and everything's in black and white and shades of gray. Sure. But then when he goes down into the underworld, that's where everything is like vibrant and colorful. I kind of like mm-hmm. the representation for the underworld and how like everybody was kind of like uh groaning in pain but it was sort of almost like to the rhythm of like the music a little bit like they were yeah. like, like oh yeah. oh is it just geez. me like it was like full of the these like tortured moans of like mm-hmm. miserable souls but okay maybe it's just me it sounded like people <laughs> was it, that's was what it, it like sounded little... like i mean it was like i had to turn down the volume on my freaking laptop because it was like oh well oh, i was gonna God. say is it just me or did i detect like just a touch of eroticism. Yeah, it makes sense <laughs> based thought, on the yeah, character. It was like it was almost like people were fucking. Yeah, it and makes having sense. a great time. Honestly. It was almost like there was a little hint of like ecstasy in the suffering and agony in a yes. way. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but it wasn't just me. I was like, oh fuck. No. Am I they were saying? like whipping people and <laughs> there were like breasts like protruding <sighs> through walls and people were like smacking them with like cat and nine tails. And I was yeah. like, oh my. A little bit of an SM sort of there so did you feel like jacqueline let me ask you because you've got the kiddos around there did you have to turn it down because you're like oh i'm watching something kind of naughty but it's oh no i i never watch anything while they're awake anymore like they they go to sleep and so and i was i was watching on my laptop anyway so it's not a loud thing but well so was i but i had it turned up because i kind of want to get the vibe of the movie and then that move that that part came on and i went I feel kind of naughty. Am I watching Pornhub right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the so the thing about the hell sequence, we can just like jump to it and talk about it. If sure. You guys sure. Want. Um, I think visually, yeah, it was really vivid. Being yeah, like it was just such an unexpected thing for it to switch from black and white into color. And I mean, what was that like? Two thirds of the way through the movie, I think. Yep. I like how um, it's introduced though, with like that darkened blackened corpse that comes to yes. him. As, yes. Yeah. And then well, drag him there to the cemetery that was so cool and at first i think that figure was the most effective at the very beginning like the when you first see it appear because it comes to his bedroom after he's turned out the light and gone to sleep and so the room that he's in is very dark and so the figure really does to me look like a shadow like Mm -hmm. almost like a shadow come to life and like is moving on its own when it comes out into the graveyard it's there's more light yeah. In that scene. And so you can see that it's a costume. Like you can see the like, you know, the the sort of cut of the fabric and stuff on the on the suit that he's wearing or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, but when it's in the dark bedroom, it plays a lot better. It looks like a shadow that's like dragging. Let me him ask out of you bed. something, Jacqueline. Is that 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 the actor that played Coffin Joe, yes. did he look more disheveled to you in that? Like it was almost like a post-production shot or like 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 afterwards. It was shot after because like his beard was not as manicured as it was throughout the movie. That might have been the point, too, because uh, it was a dream. Mm-hmm. And also he was sleeping. So like when we see him during the day, he's always put together, right? Because he's out and about, and right? Mm-hmm. you know, combed his beard or whatever. Who knows? Well, no, no, no. It, it, it was just more of like, um, oh, yeah, it was very stuff. trimmed up. But yeah. then it was just like it, it was almost like he hadn't shaved for, you know, a few months where, where you know, it, it grew out on the other parts of his face mm. to be honest with you, i didn't something. really notice that i was just kind of so absorbed in what was happening in this scene because i thought it was a really like grotesque scene in a really good way 
I was like, I like very how the hands came out and like tormented him. And then like when he fell, they they pulled him in. And I like the the effect of him being pulled into the dirt. Like I thought it was pretty cool for an older. So film. the idea of the devil was him, right? Yes. So, yeah. And, and he looked almost like him. Caesar, sort of like what? Like Caesar. Yeah. It looked right? like kind of a Roman. Garb. Roman? Yeah. He had like mm -hmm. that um, crown on whatever you that you call it um, mm -hmm. from Roman times like Caesar mm -hmm. had. Uh yeah, and that was like kind of like the devil. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm not positive, but is this after he conceived his baby? I can't no, remember. Let me check my notes. So. Hold on, because I, I wrote I can't a remember lot if he was visited before or after he had the baby. It's after they have sex. Okay. And then he wakes up and it's a dream. And so after the dream, they've already had sex by that point. But after yeah. the dream is when she announces to him that she's pregnant. Okay. Okay. So it's kind of interesting time-wise that it comes to him after he's interesting. like yeah. the like the devil came to visit him, possibly mm -hmm. take his baby from him. Maybe um, I kind of love the fear factor of this, like with the spiders and the snakes. That was pretty awesome. It's always the way it was used was like really effective. Jacqueline hates the spiders. Do you? So I can I could tolerate that though. Um, yeah, spiders don't get me as bad as roaches do. And I, spoiler alert, but I, I read in an interview with um, Jose Mojica Marins, who plays Coffin Joan, mm -hmm. like created this whole thing, that mm -hmm. in the third part of the trilogy, there's a scene with like zillions of roaches. Mm -hmm. So if mm -hmm. and when we cover that, I'm just going to need you guys to watch it first and give me a timestamp <laughs> so I can fast forward this. Oh, come on. <laughs> You gotta watch. You gotta watch it. If I watch that, I don't know if I will like sleep. I watched chicken tits happen for That's you. That's scary. You watch it. Yes, it's scary. As no. Still dreaming. Me and John still have nightmares about it. Absolutely, I but, agree yeah, with real, Bird. I think Stephen and Leo have nice dreams about it. Yeah, <laughs> I bet they do. Um, so the health scene, I do think, is really well done. And John, maybe he's disheveled looking more because of like it's a dream, but also because he's in hell now. So like. Maybe right. they maybe he actually did grow his beard out a little bit and they filmed it later so that he looks a lot different than what we normally see him as to just show <laughs> like how he's not in his element and he's just so right guest of what's going on. He's like, oh, my God, like, where am I? That, well, then that gives it a certain level of brilliance because he was very disheveled. I mean, and he looks skinny. He looks small. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, I do think the presentation you know, of this film and the first film are like he's really good at that. Right. Well, of... and that's the thing is like he comes off very confident, like when it's in yeah. black and white. But when he's in that hell yeah. hellscape, is that he's very um he's very frail. He's just a, he, yeah. he's like a pussy, you know. He's just like uh, you he's know scared, what's yeah. going on here. Even Which though I he's... think all of us would be if we were in hell. But I mean, the yeah. thing is, is it comes off so pathetic, uh, believable, maybe. Mm. Well, yeah, well, because... I think it's a little more complicated than that. Sorry, go ahead, Hydra. No, no, go ahead. Well, I. So I, I think it's a little more complicated than that when he's in hell, when he both when he's in hell and also when he's being pursued by the mob at the end. Like there are moments when he does show fear, like he he is reacting, you know, with surprise or fear or something like to something bad that is happening to him. Or like when he kind of sees the apparition of the, the pregnant woman that he murdered, he's like, <laughs> yeah, but when he comes face to face with his own doing, like the yeah. thing that he's done two people and he sees their ghosts or their bodies like it bothers yeah. him. his tough like facade does weaken somewhat but i will say eventually he always seems to gather himself and come back to his defiance yeah. so mm -hmm. even in hell at first he's like 
oh no oh no oh i'm in hell blah. and he's like kind of freaking out but but then by the end of it he's like no this is not real i am invincible like yeah he's he defiant comes when he back. sees the devil yeah, and, he, and maybe it was because it was a faster scene, or, or or not as long of a scene that that you see that throughout the movie. And I agree with you, Jacqueline, that he does he does come to, down to earth for a bit, and then comes back up. But like to me, in that hell sequence, it was he was you know just a a, a slave to hell, I guess. You know, yeah. sorry about the wording, but I mean, it was just like like he was so scared and and like everybody else down there okay. by the way those poking scenes were hilarious they were <laughs> i like that they just ah! ignored him like ah! the dudes doing the poking just sort of that was their job and he wasn't on their list that you know like so they were I just do, going around him to do their thing and keep poking everybody get out um, my way man i gotta go poke this girl jack and i do like your what you said about how like it's not a facade necessarily but like he has a certain way to him yeah that sometimes does melt away Mm-hmm. And he yeah. is faced with the fears. He's not, you know, um, you know, a, a, totally just, you know, the the toughest guy ever. Like, well, you see that where at the he's end humanized. Too. Yeah. And the end, you definitely see it, too, when he comes to grips of, of what's going on. And right. those bodies that come out of the water are his victims that he put into the lake. As far as I took it, like it's like a swampy area, but I think mm-hmm. it's supposed to be the bodies from the, the women. Yes. Resurfacing. Yes. Yeah. Well, you see that at the beginning of the movie, like but, good old Igor is throwing shit into the water. So yeah, he throws the women, which I thought well, was- it could be also the bodies of the, the like thugs who were trying to ambush him. And he kind of like led them through the swamp uh, and they just like fell in. It could yeah. be any number. It could be any number of victims is, is the point. No continuity um, there. You but, don't know. Yeah. So that's his kind of main personality trait that he brags about, or one of his main personality traits that he brags about is that like, Oh, I'm a superior man because I'm ruled by my intellect and instinct. I'm not burdened with weak human feelings. Which you is know, weird, though, because he talked about egotism and stuff, but he is an egomaniac. So it's like kind of odd. Like he because he has like uh, I think he has a really interesting take on childhood when he speaks mm-hmm. on like how special it is and children mm-hmm. being like perfection in his eyes and how adults lose sight of that as they yes. become egoism because of egoism. And like he believes man doesn't quite understand the immortality of blood, of how passing your bloodline is is your way of becoming immortal. And well, so, so Joe. Think, yeah. He's still fascinated by having a child. Like that's the most fascinating thing to him. Yes. Well, and I think the key point there is like that's his obsession mm-hmm. as a counterpoint to most other people's belief in religion. Yeah. Like most people believe in an afterlife and a soul that exists. Well, I don't know about nowadays, most people, but you know, in Brazil, that that I think is a primarily Catholic, you know, society. And so most people in that society would believe in the existence of a soul that is separate from the earthly flesh, you know? And so people believe in heaven, they believe in hell and that dictates their actions. And it's like this belief in religion that he completely scorns. Yeah. He believes it's death like is a weak, it, right? Yeah. And he so thinks it's like a weakness of mind to yeah. believe in religion or superstition or anything that you can't like reason away, mm-hmm. you know? And I also and, find it really it's interesting that like he's so quick to to like push away religion and Catholicism. Um, but the image of Jesus Christ on the cross, like he's the son of God, he's immortal, right? It's kind of a lot. There's a lot of the same threads as what he believes in, you know, the blood of Christ, like the blood of him 
being mm-hmm. immortalized when he passes it on mm-hmm. and the sun being the sign of immortality, which is the son of God. Like right. Jesus Christ. So it's like interesting. And then it comes into play later when he won't take the cross from the, from the priest he offers him the cross to save himself and he won't take it. And then as he's finally sinking down, it sounds to me like he wants to take it, but he can't mm. anymore. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. He's regretted not taking it. And now he's sinking to his death. And he said, he even says um, like, it's the sign of the, uh, I forget exactly what he says, the sign of the cross or whatever. And that's the final image too, is like lit up in the, in the water is like the sign of a cross when the final credits come on, when, when mm-hmm. it says uh, Fim, Sute, if you will. Uh, I also do like the beginning. The beginning credits is so erratic. Uh, yes, that's the perfect crazy. word. Yeah, they're just crazy. Uh, I just find it odd that the court like absolved him of anything when like clearly he was guilty by the end of the last movie. I mean, he was surrounded by his victims, the corpses, and he was driven mad. And then they're just like, no, nope, there's not enough evidence. But well, was that in his mind, though? Yeah, maybe, maybe like, you're right. I don't, know, I don't think anything supernatural was really happening. Because no, it looks like they fix his eyes, right? In this one? Yeah. So yeah, really, they, yeah. They reveal him and he's still I, mad when they do. I actually love that laugh he did. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like the, his eyes are revealed and they're normal. And it's just like he starts laughing. And that was great to me. Like a maniac. The yeah. number one thing in this film that is uh, constantly done well is the character of Coffin Joe. Like this, yep. this guy's created this character and he almost never breaks character it's always mm-hmm. he's always on point um and hitting his mark you know i know he's the writer a part writer and the director too so that comes into play but i just always think he's just so maniacal and like ha, 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 like almost all the time and just the way it's like it could be seen as cheesy or overdone but it just works there's like a fine line i feel like he kind of kind of threads that needle and just walks that that fine line in this where it doesn't go too far into either I don't know. It's not overly done all the time. It's just overly done enough for me. Yeah. Like it I is never... over the top, but not yeah. in a way that's off put. Like it's it's within the limit, you know. It's in contrast like... to the people around him that aren't over the top though. And they they all acknowledge that like this guy is over the top. Like this is coffin. Yeah. That's why we're we we get nervous around him. Like he's what about the strong guy man, though? That, that, that was almost like a caricature. Uh, Trukandor? A Trukandor? Yeah. yeah, whatever his name was. Andor, whatever. It was a weird yeah. character. Yeah. I liked his character. He had like a dead eye. It was interesting. Yeah. I got to say, I got kind of bored with the police subplot. I mean, I guess it's necessary. Like, you can't really have a person running around doing things like this and not have, you know, somebody investigating this. Right. But I just didn't feel like it really propelled anything forward so much. Well, they used Cop and Joe as like like a consultant. Like throughout the yeah. movie, it was just like, okay, so this is what I think. <laughs> yeah, like I like, said in my oh, retreat, he's, he's not a pillar of the community, but he sort of is in a weird way. Like he's the yeah. other. All of a sudden, he became one. <laughs> it was yeah. like, what? Really? It's, it's I did like his thing. eyebrow movements, though. He kept doing his the eye- people's eyebrow. Oh yeah, and he, so he did the weird eye thing, but it was only it only happened like twice in this film. It happened a lot mm-hmm. more in the first film. It happens when he so fights too. when he fights the uh, the tough guy the first time. Yeah. Uh, when the colonel's uh, daughter gets in the town and that's um, right yep. he's smitten and from him he, he grabs the he looks cane. At the cane yeah and his eye yeah. just gets all bloodshot and, and wider and his eyebrow goes up he, he's basically got the people's eyebrow like the rock and then like he just he, you know he smells what the rock's cooking and then he fucking lays the smack is down on the <laughs> strong guy yeah but it's funny he like puts if the, you smell what the yeah. joe is cooking yeah coffin joe uh crawfish yeah, i feel like he would be cooking for some reason i don't know why 
some crawdads. Okay. Uh, yeah, but it, like he puts the cane around his neck and then just like swings him around and throws it and kicks him <laughs> into a puddle. Like, yeah, and that's basically well, it. It, it like, was like the, the same extent. fight, like towards the end of the movie, where like you had the you had the posse of like dudes, like five dudes that were just like beating his ass. What does he do? He takes like razor for... razor things from his collar or something like that. Where did he get those from? And he put them on his shoes. Maybe they're in yeah. his pockets. I couldn't quite. Tell I don't know. Where it was weird. I couldn't tell because that I'm was pretty awesome. awesome. The editing in this film is a little wonky. There's yeah. moments where it just doesn't connect well. It doesn't. The scenes don't connect. They don't gel. I, I did like the cut look on his face. It almost looked like a, a you know, like a demonic symbol that was on his face after like he got Manson-y his ass beat. Kind of. Yeah. Huh. Like a little Manson esque. Yeah, yeah it well okay. not really Manson, but it was just like yeah, it was some sort of symbol that that the the blood had formed. It was just like, well, that looks demonic. That was pretty rad. Mm-hmm. And like early on, he when he gets into town, he makes that speech to the townspeople. He's like, uh, uh, "I'm as innocent or as guilty as any of you." You know, basically, like you don't know either. Either way, uh, you can't condemn me. But then the next scene is him back at home with all the women that he kidnapped. The guy's a Like literally five seconds later. Yeah, he's back like at home. Him and in his just, fucking dungeon. I found those that scene odd too, because he tells these women like his plans and the possible outcome of all of them. And they don't seem phased at first. Like they're all comfortable in their own beds and they're all wearing like nighties and like they're half naked and they're okay yeah. with that. Yeah. They looked very femme body. Yeah, they did. Like, Oh, I okay. feel like I he dressed them up. He's like, here, put this on. Yeah. <laughs> and then we see what the spider see. We see that. Uh, what is it? Marcia. Mm-hmm. Marcia sort of like, she kind of, she kind of digs his vibe. Um, right. And then with the mm-hmm. spider scene, we see that like, she's the only one who didn't get grossed out at all by it. She actually <laughs> helped put some of them back in the box with the, well, he, yeah, um, I, I like later on that scene Bruno. though. Yeah, later in that scene, he actually tells her it's like, like uh, he, he he's like, you showed bravery. I'm gonna let you go. And um, she said, well, I could go tell the cops. Well, you're in love with me, so you're not gonna do that. And that's and she never the reason does. he's not into her though, because he, the love that she has in his eye. Right, exactly right. But I mean, the thing is, is that it okay? It was kind of explained away of why she did what she did. Well, she wanted to save the girls and she was not comfortable with trying to. Was he trying to have her. sex with her and then got yeah. stopped? While or the girls actually were being have sex by, with her? I mean, yes. Bitten by she was venom. like, I'm not into this. I'm, oh, okay. This is okay. Too, she's like, this is too cruel. I can't stand it. Yeah. Okay. And even though she's into him and then he sees that and he's sort of like, he's into her enough that he lets her live because, and she's loyal enough that she never, she never rats him out ever. Yeah. She, um, well, no, she does actually. Does she? She dies at the, like right before she dies. She tells the doctor. Remember, she's oh, like, okay. I can't live. I can't live with this anymore. And she drinks something. And I looked it up, and it said that she like drank some arsenic or something, which I didn't okay, like, I put together myself the first time. But um, yeah, to be so honest, she... I dozed off a couple of times during this. I had to rewind here and there. <laughs> That's okay. She so she she drinks something that we find out that I find out found out was arsenic, and then the doctor comes to her bedside, and she's like. I have to confess, like I was an accomplice to these murders, and Coffin Joe is responsible for everything. That's okay. right. That's right. I like, so she I like does the tell. night that they're all sleeping. They're in their room with their panties and nothing much else. And Joe's like peeping on them through the twin, the two holes in the in the wall. And uh, I just don't get why they wouldn't be like I don't know. They like they're just cool with sleeping in that day, like that that night. But um, 
I just, I just who were these Joe, women? I think Joe was jerking off on the other side of that wall. He's <laughs> totally oh, for sure. Totally. So these, these were just random women from around town that he basically okay. kidnapped. There was a weird yeah. montage like oh, five minutes into the movie where somebody, yeah. like these two women were walking <laughs> next to the train tracks and then you don't see what they see, but they see something and their eyes get real big and they're like, oh, no. And then there's another where one of the women, she's just like standing there and a hand claps over her mouth and like mm-hmm. pulls her away. Yeah, and there's like three or four of those and it adds up to six different women. And, and at first I was like, what the fuck is going Like, are we supposed to know who this woman is? Is this the same woman that we just saw in the last shot or what? Yeah. And then like five minutes later, you see that these are all women that he's kidnapped. That's to what like I mean too. With it, it's from... a little wonky. It's, yeah, there's some like bridge those scenes together a little bit better. So we some connective tissue. So we knew what was going on a little bit better. I, yeah. I've got the gist of it, though. Um, How about the Igor character? He was pretty dope. Bruno. Yeah, he's all right. We don't talk about Bruno. We, uh, we don't talk about I just Bruno. love, too, like, just back to the, the peeping scene where, like, he unleashes the, the fucking creepy crawlies and, like, they're crawling on their breasts and their buttocks. And I'm sure he's just, like, getting off on that. Like, that's, like, <laughs> his his thing. That's his vibe. Like, half-naked women with bugs on them. I gotta stamp say. Stamp your fingers, stamp your neck. Marcia was much... very gorgeous, by the way. Yeah. Well, and all of them were pretty like they were, yeah, they were, yeah, but Marcia um, especially just stood out. She she's no Julia Roberts, right? Oh my god, get off of it. John, you're beating a dead horse. Please, let's go. <laughs> my god. <laughs> Thank you, I just don't even know. Um I actually thought that as much as I don't really care for spiders, I don't have the same level of hatred as I do for roaches, but I don't love spiders. Not my favorite thing. Um, Nonetheless, I thought that... Did it give you the willies like when you saw it? A little bit, but not too bad. I mean, I didn't feel the need to like... You did text me a picture of it and you were like, fuck this. (laughs) It was... I mean, it was fucked up. Like, so I don't want them on me. So like, and it was hard for me not to imagine what that would feel like to have all those little it was a legs. cool like, scene though yeah so that's what i'm saying is like they i have actually, a tarantulas I, don't bite right yeah so like they can't kill it. so my thing with bugs is not like a fear that they're going to like harm me in some way it's just total revulsion at their existence like oh i don't want it touching me i don't and like for a roach i don't even want to see it like i don't even want to know it exists once they were released under the door too i'm like oh this must be a test one of the first tests he's going to put those through hydroberg we got to pick creep show I don't I don't know. As fun as that would be, I don't I feel like Jacqueline would really hate it. She would mute and leave the room. I would just like, you know, do something else for a couple minutes. (laughs) I'm (laughs) telling you she's gonna bang in the work that day. She'd be like, guys, I just uh something can game up. I can't make this episode. (laughs) No, I'll just I will just suddenly get real quiet talking about the last, you know, segment. But yeah, back (laughs) to the tarantulas. So I was just going to say, that as much as I don't care for spiders, I actually thought that was a really cool scene. Yeah, um, I thought that like the lighting was so good there. It was like dark enough that you can tell it's nighttime, but it was light enough that there were these beautiful shadows being cast everywhere. And, and you just can see the, their pale skin kind of like. Yeah, it almost looked like it was dark glowing. Yeah. Exactly. So just the imagery of these gross tarantulas crawling all over these like beautiful bodies with these kind of sheer negligees mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like you know black panties on and like got the weirdest boner butts yeah. are like their butts are all round and it's like they're supposed to look very voluptuous and yeah it's just this like a weird contrast a melange if you will yeah. um, I love how they all slept with like one leg cocked you know so their butt was poking out yeah yeah they were very yeah. deliberately posed they were very deliberately posed 
But uh, yeah, like I mean, they were pretty bodacious. They were kind of like you know Brazilian fembots, kind of. But oh, yeah. uh, it's my it was. Type of I thought fembot. that was. I thought that was a lovely and striking and grotesque scene. I thought it was one of the most memorable parts of the whole movie. I agree, Jacqueline. I thought that it, it was a beautifully shot scene. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would like just like you said, the lighting and just mm -hmm. like the the camera shots of like like the spider going up a woman's leg, you know, mm -hmm. towards her. Who huh? private parts or whatever and it was just like it actually was really nicely shot for 1967 yeah. it was great yeah. well and i i also think this is something just in general that is interesting like an interesting facet of horror is that you know horror is very much about the grotesque and the gory and the disturbing and the repulsive right but i feel like horror movies in particular also really like to bring in like great amounts of beauty whether it's mm -hmm. like beautiful women, more often than not, I would say that's yeah. like the most common way of like inserting beauty into a horror story. But also like some movies have like beautiful landscapes or whatever. And it's a nice juxtaposition. I, of course, most commonly it's like beautiful women, but also with mm -hmm. like monsters and gore and stuff. And there's something about that combination that is so, um, I don't even know what to say about it, but like so human is like the duality of like the grotesque and the gorgeous that right. is like, go, very go, go, appealing like, you go back to like king kong and like mm -hmm. he's a monster but he he's attracted to the beautiful woman you know what i mean mm -hmm. right. mm -hmm. take her yeah the sacred and the profane um yeah. it's just it's yeah, a lovely I, kind of melding of of extremes i guess yeah i i didn't think the acting was bad i mean it was just like the circumstances were stupid just because <laughs> they're all sitting there for some odd reason but like like when he dumps that that um uh the acid on that woman's face, which was a semi-decent practical effect, yeah. and these women just like reacted exactly how you would react. Why are they in this circumstance? But so like when they saw that, it was just like, holy fuck, what's going on here? I so thought that it was, was good. the woman that was the woman that Bruno picked out, right? He gave Bruno uh, a woman to pick Did, out. Yeah, he carried and her he, off, but yeah, then he snapped her neck. Exactly. He accidentally lenied her. Yeah, he yeah exactly. Like he squeezed her, her neck. She's a good, good person. So Bruno comes back with her, and she's dead. And then yeah, like he uh yeah. So Coffin Joe kind of uses her as as a like to show the other women like I don't really care for you guys. He ends up slapping one of them around at that moment too because they're like hysterical. Mm -hmm. um, he does. But um, then I kind of got the gist like maybe he scarred her just because if you look they, they cut to Bruno and that's where his face is kind of scarred too in the same. Mm. So I was wasn't sure. That was very well shot, by the way. Yeah, because it looked almost exactly the same. It looked almost exactly the same, like the mm -hmm. bubbles yeah, and right. stuff like that, or the boils, whatever. Yeah, it was like a time lapse almost, or something. Of uh, I I do think this film, for uh, being such a low budgeted film and being sort of like a DIY sort of project, it looks like like they do a really good job with some of these effects. I noticed that in the first film too. That was one of the highlights of the first film. I thought, um, you know, they, they're dated, but I'm still pretty impressed by it. like, like we said with the bugs and stuff like that, like those are easy things to do in films like this because you can easily get those and they're real. And there's, you know, there's that realistic quality to them. So you put them on a girl and automatically you're like, oh shit, that's scary. Or like put some maggots, like, like all the Italian zombie films, like do that with maggots. Yes. On they love their maggots. They love it. And it just gives it that real world quality where you're just like, fuck, oh, this can grow. So yeah. I think this movie does a good job with some of that there's it's almost like there's a little bit less of it this movie is more about the characters it seems uh and about joe's like journey 
then the fir- like you said, the first one was a simpler plot. It was also only about an hour and a half. Yeah, uh, the third film. Yeah, this was, was like an hour and forty-five. Yeah, this one's almost two hours, and that was one of my issues yeah. with it. It kind of dragged a little bit. I agree. It did. I, I agree with that. I f- that could have been cut shorter or just cut out in general. I think right. this could have been twenty minutes shorter. Yeah, because uh, I thought the first film hit a nice, a uh, nice pacing and the film got to like a good spot by the end where i was just like yeah kind of a sweet spot i i agree with you hydroberg but there was also a scene in this movie where it's like uh, he he saves a child from a motorcycle running over him was that ever explored or is it just because he wanted to have a son back into town well he values children's lives over adults he said yeah no i understand that but i mean the thing is is that that it was never explored again because I think the point was just tip. to illustrate something about his character that, like, yeah. okay, okay, the one thing he cares about is children, and he was, was like, right after his rant about guy. how like children are the future and they're sacred and like uh, passing teach them well and let them lead the way, right? Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was good, John. <laughs> but that was a Whitney Houston song. Yeah, no. it was "We Are the World." Yeah. Well, Jacqueline's um, looking at us like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? No, no, I was just, I was thinking about something. Peace and will, let them lead the way. Lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. inside. The musical anyway. stylings of John. Yeah, Quiet Storm. <laughs> That's the music break right there. Yeah. The music uh, montage, if you will. The melange. Yeah. Doggy style on a Sunday morning. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, because he gives that little diatribe about how, uh, you know, that man is doesn't understand the immortality of blood and everything. And that's when he saves the kid. He sees the motorcyclist coming. James Dean, the Brazilian James Dean coming down the. What was the, the point of the music thing? Like the little recorder thing that he had? Oh, I don't know. Did that put people in a trance or something? What was the point of that? No, I was... I, he, he did it to kind of put the child at ease, but he actually listened to it as as the the dudes were sinking in the swamp. Yeah, he the, listened to uh, the dying. Hmm. Yeah. So I almost he wonder if it was it. like trying to prevent, like prevent any feelings of guilt or like take, oh, yeah. distract him from it in a way. I, that's that was the only guess I had because I wondered about that too. I was like, that's weird because he, he doesn't seem to have that. any feelings about it. But then it's like, why would he be listening to that while they're drowning? And perhaps in '67, that was like the new technology where they had a recording of this yeah. music that put him at ease, and it was like, okay, but what the fuck was the point? Yeah, that was a little odd. I don't know. I like the fact that he was smoking a pipe and he was just like so nonchalant about it. Yeah, just he kind of smiling and too. laughing. That to me was more sinister than anything else. Not listening really? to this little fucking box, right? I just yeah. thought it was hard to light a pipe with fucking uh foot long fingernails. <laughs> Those are accidentally horrible. setting yourself on fire. <laughs> Those fingernails are really bad. And also to touch back on something that John mentioned, I'm pretty sure that Joe might be the first cinematic evil uh, unibrow that we're that, uh, a precursor, if you will, to Lou from uh, Prom. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Maybe that that should be our mission over the next year is to fi- try to find an earlier instance of a cinematic unibrow. Yeah. I say what we do is in November we do the unibrow month. The worst oh unibrows in horror movies. Browvember. Browvember. Oh. <laughs> well, no shade, instead no of November, it's Browvember. Browvember. Mm-hmm. Browvember. And That's we're what just we're doing. Gonna, yeah. Oh, the, the, <laughs> the most evil of unibrows that we can find. Yeah. No shave November has become Browvember. Yeah. <laughs> no fuck November. Now, yeah. Also known as Browvember. I like that. So, but, Hyderberg, you, you were mentioning earlier about kind of your comp- making a little bit of a comparison between this movie and the first one. I think that the basic 
plot is more or less the same, yeah, it is honestly, as the first movie. He's still just on a quest uh-huh. trying to find the perfect woman to breed with, basically. Um, and the ways that I think it's different are that I think, in terms of like the grotesqueness of the encounters that he has, I think it kind of ups the ante a little bit, and that hell sequence is really kind of like off the charts. But I would also say that this movie is maybe a little bit more psychological about the interior of Joe Mm -hmm. Um, about like, I think it explores a little bit the one soft spot that he has, which is for children. And I think it explores some feelings of guilt. Yeah. Haunt him. Yeah. Because he finds out one of the women in the pit, the one that cursed him. Yes. Yes. And so I think that that's that's a little different. Um, it, It shows like. I don't want to say a weakness, but like, I think he would probably consider it a weakness, like the one area of his psyche where he, you know, he actually has emotions and tough because that's also what gives him his power too. like in his mind. That's the his driving force. So it's yeah. And so I think I think he wants to like tamp down that side of himself as much as he can. And but even not even just the, the guilt over his misdeeds, but there are moments where he has real fear which is very against his whole like persona mm-hmm. that he's created and the the boasts that he makes about his superiority. Like when he's in hell and he has that feeling of fear and when he comes out of the dream, you know, of course the, the hell sequence we find out is a dream. He wakes up from it and he's very shaken by it. And she's like, What's really, what is it? What is it? And he, um, he has to like sort of calm himself down and convince himself that it's, he's like, hell isn't real. It doesn't exist. I saw it, but it doesn't exist. You know, he I'm has a to, like, kind of, I'm still the man talk himself out of it but he's clearly shaken yeah he was and shaken in the that beginning that... of the dream too he's like screaming his head off yeah and he yeah. even says oh i have to acknowledge that my parents themselves were imperfect and they believed in these superstitious things and that is inside of me he says yeah. like that is inside of me and it's like i feel like he has this drive to like squash that side of himself in in any manifestation um, yeah, well, I mean, so we, i think that's we pass these things on right uh things issues or things in their family sometimes that so he's kind of dealing with that yeah but he's so like uh, leading up to some of those points like he's so arrogant i mean his Mm -hmm. arrogance level is sky high and like (laughs) the way he boasts about himself it's like the supreme confidence in his own superiority but you see where like even he knows that that's not really quite true yeah and it's like like laura is like one of the first people or women that really sees him for who he is and 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 accepts him though too like claude uh marcia liked was into him but she yeah like she laura's, had a limit yeah laura's an atheist and she's sort of like she doesn't believe in anything just like he does uh laura and, is fucked up yeah she is we need mm-hmm. to talk about laura okay. <laughs> because he admits about killing a child she's like that's ah, not a big deal like yeah, it's okay like <laughs> laura is like we're not gonna talk tell- about bruno <laughs> We're we're not not gonna, and we're not going to talk about Kevin either. But <laughs> Laura is like, I can't tell if she is brainwashed by him, like somehow instantly brainwashed, or if she was like already him. psycho to yeah, begin with. So. Because, I mean, there's just so many absolutely like bananas things that she well, says. He kills her brother. And she does not care at all. Like, there, she is literally like about to fuck him dur- during yeah, her brother's funeral, like on yeah, the ground. I, I... I think it's like, the latter. I think she's just as fucked up as he is. And then I, maybe I, a little bit driven to him too, like because of that. Like agreed, yeah. Not necessarily brainwashed, but like totally entranced by him because yeah. she has those she's never met anybody like him that yeah. 
So maybe no, it makes her like point. double down on her own. Yeah, like, it's called, sort of like Mickey and Mallory Knox, right? It's like two bad sort of like gravitate toward each other because of yep. that. So like he even Agreed. says, you know, I killed your brother. Like you realize I yeah. killed your brother, right? And she's like, I don't care. I'm yours. <laughs> and he's like testing her and he, he goes, tell me, what do you believe in? Or do you believe in God? And she's like, I only believe in you. Blah. Oh my Gross. god, it's really stroking his ego. Not the most one of the most hilarious parts of this movie, and I don't know if it's meant to be funny or not. Probably not. Is when they're the only to, when they're about to fuck. Anymore, and, right? Yeah, when they're about to fuck, and also the women get na- nude. There's like tops coming off. He never takes his fucking hat off or his jacket or nothing. Like the guy won't show any skin. <laughs> he's a good looking guy too. He's actually like mm-hmm. a handsome man. Mm-hmm. Um, besides those fucking funky nails, but um. Yeah, and like there's a moment where there's a close up of his face as he's going to kiss her, and his like lips are quivering. He's like, and it's just like, what are you doing, bro? Like, what (laughs) is it coming towards me? Oh my God. It was like, it's like a close up, too. Yeah, he looks like a fucking fish or something. (laughs) Yeah, he is kind of like, his lips are like coming in. Like, he's a man, baby. Here I come. He's yeah, never, he, like he's twitching, never kissed you know? a girl. <laughs> or it's like he just thought like what is I don't I've never acted out a kiss up close. Is this what it looks is this supposed to be what it looks like? I don't know. <laughs> he's never kissed a girl. Only him and Bruno, they like they practice. Bruno, this I'm not gay or anything, but can I practice kissing on your humpback? Ew. <laughs> no. Hold on, look at Bruno's face. Uh, look at Hyderberg. Uh the, the poster he put oh, on yeah, his yeah, uh, background. Right there. He does have Playback. that slack jaw. He's probably a good kisser. So anyway, that's one of the things about the movie that I think is interesting is but the, like the greater exploration of his psyche than in the first one. And also this character of Laura, who's like his counterpart, like she really kind of like he, he meets his match. Basically. Yeah. And then he loses her and yeah. his baby. So and there he's are in total denial about it, which is, yeah. again, like a violation of his own like code or standards of like man is lot man should be logical and not like. You know, only deal in objective reality and instinct. It's very like kind of Ayn Rand, but um, yeah. But it, when she dies, he like absolutely refuses to accept it. I, yeah, I I kind of like his controlled chaos because I I, I think Heidelberg, you were saying that is that that the he, he's about ready to let go, but then he pulls himself back, which I thought yeah. was really really good about that. Yeah, and like it, he he didn't go full bore into like mourning her, but he's he was getting ready to because it's a weakness if he did, you know. Even yeah. but it's, he should because his his even if he didn't care about Laura, his unborn sure. child was in her, and that's what he ultimately cares about the most. And he lost that, you know. That was his final. That was his his like one true chance to have this child that he's always been talking about these past two films uh, about you know finally having it and having sure. it with a woman who who actually accepts you. The two is like you didn't necessarily force yourself on her the way you tried with everybody else, um, and also just. Like Jacqueline, you said there there are moments where he's he's got to deal with his own guilt about things, which I think is interesting for his character. And um, like you said, John, where he's got to deal with his grief, too. And there's like chinks in his armor. Yeah. You know what I mean, and he's he's trying not to expose them. But, you know, um, there are things in this movie where he's just uh, any man should, would fucking be upset about or, you know, have feelings for about even Coffin Joe. And I think it's interesting to see that, like, the woman who was pregnant was the one that put the curse on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, just sort of like the like the harbinger like she was like the old lady the witch from the first one the, the fortune teller if you will i think she was right um from the first one she's the one who sort of tells us the story of coffin oh, Joe, yeah. like at midnight out, and she that. gives him the warning when he passes her that that one that one time i believe in the first film and he's sort of like yeah whatever old lady like i'm coffin joe i do my fucking thing like yeah and so 
it's the kind of the same thing. He didn't take the warning of the pregnant woman. He didn't know she was pregnant. He mm-hmm. just thought it was one of his right. random victims, you know, some woman he killed, uh, which he didn't right. even have to kill them, to be honest. Like, I mean, he like, had kidnapped them already. Yeah, like, I know. I guess if he had they released cool them, with they would have for a while them. until someone died. Yeah, I, I get the sense that they were like, they thought it was like, oh, we're just like play acting here. Is that, are we having a party? Yeah, I don't know. What's it's going like a on? Party. Like, they yeah, didn't, he gave they us really outfits know. and stuff. Yeah. We just had a had sex a little... orgy and we're going to go home in a little while when it's over. And that's, I mean, he did it for the nookie. Come on. Yeah, he did it for the nookie. The nookie. Come on. Come on. So you could take that cookie in, you know. But I did, I did really like it. It hit me hard. I think as far as like one of the biggest things in the movie was I thought it was really interesting that Joe, like he values a child's life utmost of anything. And when you come to learn that the woman he killed was pregnant, like and I just thought it was really interesting to have that, you know, him have to face that like, holy shit, like I killed a fucking child. Like I didn't know I did. I didn't do it intentionally, but I did. And I feel like it challenges his beliefs and everything he stands for. Um, And I just thought it's like it was one of the it's like the biggest sin in his eyes, even though he doesn't believe in sinning necessarily Mm -hmm. under God's rule or like the devil. But he still kind of sees it as like the, a big, like an atrocity, you know, of a child dying. You know? It's a he violation would... of his code, his own yeah, personal his code, coffin exactly. joke code. Personal joke right. code. Yeah. So I'd like to, before we get like too much further, I want to throw in a piece of information about the ending that I think is important. Mm-hmm. So the ending scene where, I mean, it's like literally the very end where he's the, he's in the water and the, um, the skeletons of the, his victims are kind of popping up in the water around him. And he suddenly like, like believer, like he's like, Oh, I believe in God. Now I realize he's the true way. Priest, throw me the cross yeah. or something like that. So that was not the ending that Jose Marins wanted to have. That was, oh, was forced, it forced, on it was forced upon him. Okay. And so I feel like that's important. And he was very displeased about that. And I think knowing that changes how one might interpret the meaning of the film and the meaning of the ending of the movie and what he was trying to accomplish. Do we yeah, know what the ending on, was supposed to be? The first film you spoke, I remember you spoke on too, how um, they came down on him about it. Oh, yeah. His movies have been banned and censored to high heaven. Yeah. Okay. So what was the ending originally supposed to be um i don't know if it's that let me see, let me just um so what do you think because i actually liked the ending but really i, I mean it was I, I just, it was meh for me i mean the ending of the first one wasn't exactly like whatever but um i just thought it was interesting that like i don't know like the cross like i said earlier i do think like the cross is sort of the symbol for god and like jesus the son and there are symbol there's symbolism that kind of matches some of his beliefs too there. And so I thought I just it was interesting felt- that he he pushed it away, but then finally reached for it in, in, in his last dire like moments of life. Like but when he realized he was going to die, character. which was stupid. I mean it was just, I mean, it people was do such that a cop anyway. out. It was such a cop out that he wanted to um actually true, but- you know get the get the cross. That's all it's he wanted. realistic though too because I mean how many people renounce God but then when they're in their moment of need they pray to God or something. And that was the cop out to that. I was just like, you know, go out so like a martyr. the original ending supposed to be? Okay. He rose um, out of the water like Evil Dead Rise and... Right. <laughs> I, I can't find I can't find the specific part of the article without like taking a long pause that you'd have to edit out. But I can't yeah. find that specific part of the article where it talks about how the ending was forced upon him. But it was. I don't, I don't recall it saying anything about what the ending was supposed to be. But my guess would be something about him still doubling down on his like um 
So he's still, Mis- he still misanthropy. thinks to his death, but... Or, yeah, yeah I, I, it doesn't death. say specifically, but the, specifically the part about him, like, coming to Jesus, that was forced upon him. Okay. And so, John, I, I have to say, I tend to agree with your assessment. I think it was a cop-out. I think it was a weird, very, very abrupt change without really any lead up to it and there had been so many like okay let's just say hypothetically we know this is not true but let's just say that jose marins did want to include this message about like oh going to the light or whatever there would have been so many better opportunities elsewhere in the movie like when he's in hell but if you are literally in hell facing the devil and you still remain defiant and you're like Fuck that. I'm Coffin Joe. I think that a couple of skeletons popping out of the water is not going to be what like turns you around. I mean, it's maybe not. It is sort of what startled him to death in the first one. Also, it's sort of like a repeat of that same thing where he's like his victims came to haunt him. True. But he he didn't like go to God after that. Yeah, it's just so extreme. Like the like there were just so many more extreme moments. Like he's already had this kind of apparition multiple times from the pregnant woman. That would have been a good opportunity. Or when he was in hell, like all of these other moments where he's he is faced with the the guilt and the reality of what he's done. Those would have been perfect moments. But then it's just it becomes overplayed as well because it's just like, okay, so you're seeing your victims and all of a sudden you feel so bad about this. You know exactly what happened. You're sitting there smoking a pipe, listening to your fucking little iTunes thing uh, (laughs) while they're while they're like being drowned. Mm -hmm. I I took it. uh, Possibly, I would assume maybe the ending was similar where he is startled by his victims but he still renounces god doesn't take the cross and still lower like gets lowered to his death but that's never fine. Ended, but never I suspect repent. that that's i suspect that that is so the it's not intended too far ending. off from what we saw it's just the the dialogue that they put in there yes. it says like, here that he wanted the priest to throw the cross he, yeah, yeah it, it says here that, that he like find god Brazilian censors forced director and star Jose Mojica Marins Marins to recut the ending of the night I'll possess your corpse so that Coffin Joe comes to believe in the existence and authority of God and repents. Marins was opposed to the demand, which he went on to feel that he had that it had placed a curse on him in his career after Mm -hmm. doing going against like his own beliefs, I guess. Yeah. So the thing in in his real life, he actually sounds like a pretty nice person. (laughs) Um, But in this interview in Rue Morgue, he says like, Coffin Joe is not who I am. Um, I believe in God, but I do get, he didn't come right out and say this, but I do get the sense that despite his belief in God, I sense a, a strong distaste for religion, like organized yeah, religion. Yeah, that's fine. You can... And I think that's kind of what, partly what this movie was about was like the fanaticism, like fanaticism of religion and how disdainful he is of that. And so for him to find God at the end, I feel like is a violation of, it's like the exact opposite of what he was trying to portray. The let only me, issue let me with this partake something of in reality is that everything that I've gone through here in the past couple of months is that I've grown up my entire life of believing hellfire and brimstone, right? So if you don't do this, you know, you're going to hell. Or you do do this, you're going to hell. Like for me, I've got a completely different mentality of that. Not not to get religious, but like it's it's a faith. That's all it is. It's not about you having to like like go through your life where you've got to live like this and do this and do everything like that. But there's something there 
that really just it, it whether it's a conscience or something you call it a higher power you call it god whatever it is it's like i i agree with him so in that interview i totally agree with him because religion to me really just kind of like forces it down your throat of like in my opinion this is just me I, I, and i apologize heidelberger jacqueline but it's no, just no. very in your face you know I'm with it, you. i it, believe more in the sh- in faith rather than the structure correct of it, that's my point is it, it, it maybe the long way around that of it, it's just more about faith uh, of believing in something that that that's guiding you along to be a good person mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. not this hellfire and brimstone of what i believe religion is Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sorry. there's a guidelines put there in order to keep you on a certain path. Correct. Yeah, yeah. You, you can it, be a good person and not follow that path necessarily. Right. Exactly. You don't have, you don't yeah, have and to go to church. You won't offend me. I'm I'm an avowed atheist. Yeah. But um, so like I so I sort of get it. I mean, Coffin Joe is like a horrible character. <laughs> right. Um, but he has his set of like beliefs. He's got a code, and set, yeah. yeah, he has a code. Man's gonna have yeah. a code, right? Man's gonna have a code. But um, I mean, he's a horrible person and he it plays out in terrible ways. Um, right. But it's not inherently bad that he think that he does not ascribe to a religion and he wants to find a mate who also does not ascribe to a religion. That in and of itself, I think, is not like an evil thing. No. Um, and his faith in the in, ch- in children and being the future, yeah. like that's that's aspiring. I, like, yeah. His way of going about it is not. It's, it's the raping and the killing. That's yeah, a little bit of a problem. But it's not good. I got very uncomfortable with the superiorness of like I'm going to create the superior male. Yeah, we've heard know? that before. Yeah, so, that has, and I agree. That but I, that's what made yeah. me uncomfortable at the about the movie again. It was just like you couldn't have a daughter that that's superior to everybody else. You know, that's fine. Well, he wants a son because a son will continue his lineage. So. Yeah. All, all, you know, they, that speaks on tons of cultures that do that anyway the japanese i'm not going to chime in on that i'm not a yeah. parent so <laughs> jacqueline all i you. don't think he's opposed to necessarily having it i don't think he'd throw his daughter like off a cliff but he he's going to keep doing his thing his mission is to have the son right. yeah but that's my point is that that she definitely know. wouldn't be as important to him as maybe the, i'm yeah maybe i'm looking do you think too much it speaks this, on like sexism just... and stuff like that also maybe a little yeah i think it's totally misogynistic I mean, well, I mean, yeah, I, his I character think that's what totally. it is. I mean, my opinion. Yeah, I yeah, think it's character. like a macho attitude. And but Hyderberg, you know what? You might have really been in, been onto something earlier when you said that this does seem to have some parallels to like Jesus Christ. Like it's a son that you know is like the the what am I trying to say? Like the well, like, like the, Jesus is the son of yeah. God, and he's looking for a son to be mm-hmm. like to like carry on. It's almost like he he needs an. I'm trying to say antichrist, even though it's not quite that. It's not, like it's he not needs a son to carry on though. his lineage. No, no, but what I was saying that there's similarities to his beliefs of like the son, his blood, it will make him immortal if he if he mm-hmm. if he furthers it down the line with the son. This yeah. the, Jesus is the son of God right. and also is believed to be immortal, right? And the blood right, of right, Christ right. is what will save you. Like so, it's like there's similarities to his his beliefs as well as the the Catholic uh, priests. Um, but there's and it's interesting too that like I, maybe it's because of the censors, but this film and the other film doesn't ever really paint like the religious people in a bad light either though like they're not like zealots where they're like really horrible people no they're not all they, but, like they, their main belief is like oh coffin joe is pretty bad and we should yeah. probably get him out of this town yeah <laughs> like and so i wonder if he wanted zealots, to maybe yeah. paint them a little bit in a, in a in a bad light but wasn't allowed to or 
Because even the priest character in this movie, like, he's not a dick or anything. Like, really? No. I mean, he tries to save the, the, Joe no matter The priest what. tries to save him. I know. The worst thing that, like, the only, like, negativity directed at religious people is Coffin Joe's own dialogue. When he's like, they're weak-minded and, like, they're, they grow up to be such fools believing in yeah. this religious nonsense. But that's, mm-hmm. like... You know, that's just him talking. They're like the characters themselves are not portrayed as like zealots, like you said, or like yeah, I wonder if I mean they're parents, just regular people. Maybe yeah. they pushed this on him at, a, at when he was young. I forgot there were elements of his youth I thought we learned from the first film. For some reason I thought he was an orphan, but I can't remember that specifically. I don't know. He does mention his mother and father here. Yeah, so maybe maybe anything about his childhood. I do remember that at the start of the first movie, he was married. To a woman, and I guess she hadn't like That's given right. him a son yet or something. So yeah. he just like leaves her and goes like, you know, yep. tomcatting around town. Mm-hmm. Right. I do and remember she, that. Like yeah. beats her and rapes her, right? And she dies, I think. Yeah, I think. And he gets rid of her body. Mm-hmm. I yeah. believe. Yeah, Maybe but, there were bugs involved there too. I can't remember. Yeah, he likes a, bugs. He's not. A, he's not a good dude. I mean, <laughs> no, he's not. He's, he's not cool. Yeah, there's there's a lot of like uh, echoes of like you know, racial purity that are very uncomfortable. There's some like incel vibes here. There's a lot of like misogyny, you know. Not just on his, the other characters too. There's a lot of characters, like in the very beginning, a lot of these women that he kidnaps are unhappy. They're coming from unhappy marriages and stuff like that. Or like, yeah, at least two of them are like the one she was, the pregnant woman was married to that drunkard. Yeah. Like, who basically was... told her to go to hell and yeah. Yeah. And so, so like, yeah, she leaves and she that's how she becomes like easy prey to Joe. Right. But um, but yeah, so Joe has like a lot of qualities of some of the worst kinds of people. Like he has this like misogyny that you see with a lot of like incel type dudes. And he has the this extreme sense of self-importance and self-aggrandizement where he thinks he's so great. It reminds me of like certain people that I've encountered in my life who think they are so above everybody else that any criticism that they receive from anyone, they chalk it up as, oh, they're just jealous of me. That's or, it's narcissism. Yeah, like yeah. At its at, at its highest peak, it's narcissism. It's yeah. it's like I'm not the problem, you're the problem. Exactly. Like no criticism is valid. It's due to your own failures or your envy of me. Right. Um, because I'm so far above you. I'm great. Uh, there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's. That, that, the character of Joe exudes that big time. Mm-hmm. But then it's just like, like there's a pullback of the curtain of, okay, what if things aren't as great as you think they are? And, and you see this kind of thing, you know, where he wakes up in a cold sweat, just screaming of like, you know, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. But yeah. Total narcissist. Yeah, I agree. Well, uh, are there any other major points you guys want to hit before we, Give our own individual ratings and reviews, you, or should we move on? Do you guys think Joe is a Republican? Oh, God. So we're, we're not guys, getting political I'm just kidding. Come on, guys. Come Avoid on, guys. that. But there are some unsavory qualities about him that are <laughs> unsavory. <laughs> anyway. All right. You guys want to do our reviews now? Yeah, sure. Jack, you go first. All yeah, right, you cool. go first. All right. I'll just kind of run down some of my major pros and cons. Uh, I'll start with pros. I think this is such a unique character. I think he's really fun to watch and he's a, a fun character to hate. Like it's, it's fun to watch him and be like, Oh my God, that guy is so deplorable. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he's absolutely sadistic, which is just kind of a fun character to watch. Cause it's so like not 
really within the realm of reality. Like this is, I mean, he's almost a caricature, mm -hmm. but not quite. But like I said before, he plays it up just enough. Yeah, just enough. Um, and it, but it helps that he has this over the top character among all these very kind of normal people. He feels like he's from another time. Like with the yeah. cape and the top hat and stuff, yeah, yeah. the rest of the townspeople are pretty modern and, you know, the, the kind of like dominant um, American culture from like from the 60s with the fashion and the hairdo and the eye makeup and stuff that's bled over into this Brazilian society. But yet he seems like he's from a century earlier walking around yeah. in like, like he's very in a formal. Castle and he's got an assistant who's got a hunch on his back. Like... Yeah, it feels very <laughs> like old fashioned. Yeah, trap doors so... in his house. <laughs> So it's 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 a unique character. It's really fun to watch. He's sadistic, but it's also really fun to see this soft spot in him. Like the one thing that humanizes him a little bit is that he has this fondness for children and not in a like gross way, but like in a very genuine way. Like he cares about children. It's very much not like a pedophile. children are our future. Right. Not a pedophile. Right. Um, but other than that, he's so hateable. So it's a fun character to hate, but just like a yeah. really... I think he's a really unique character. And I, there are very few characters that I think are so like almost completely through and through evil, but then have that one little surprising spot about them. I think this movie raises like the fucked up factor from the first movie. I think it oh, kind of yeah. raises the stakes. Um, you know, I've already mentioned some of the most memorable scenes with, you know, his little harem in their 90s and releasing the tarantulas into the room. And then like the snakes when he's trying to bang marcia he's got the trap door to the dungeon open while they're in bed together and he can like i mean the screaming women with the snakes are like 10 feet away and he's like trying it's to such get a it boss on move john what happened snake. to your eyebrow oh god <laughs> what it's grown what? in i last <laughs> you put your head down for a minute and now your eyebrows he's got on. a piece of duct tape or something between his eyebrows looks like a full-on unibrow um so that's just like really fucked up. Um, the apparition scenes where he's kind of haunted. Now Heidelberg's got it going on too. Um, the apparition scenes where the pregnant woman that he murdered comes back to like basically curse him. She's like, still got the snake you. on her too. I noticed. Yeah, that's pretty like pretty badass. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's like, I you know I told you before this night I'll possess your core. So and I think that's cool that that's where the title comes from is her warning to him. Mm -hmm. She's like, this night I'll possess your corpse. So she's warning like I'm gonna I'm gonna get you. And I think though like that looks really good with the the, the appearance of this. Um, it's really a hallucination. It's not like a real ghost, but it's in his mind and his reaction to it that he's disturbed. But then he's he has to make a visible effort to like get himself back to his like stone faced like no mm -hmm. i'm coffin joe like um that's memorable and then of course to me the standout is really the the sequence in hell um even though it turns out to be a dream it's so hydroberg i think you used the word chaotic earlier it's yeah. it's like the colors are so vivid there's like pinks and reds and yellows and blues and it looks like this weird like the way hell is visualized here it looks like a catacomb and there's like just body part. It looks like bodies have like partially fallen through. Yeah, that was the really ceilings cool. or come through the walls. There's like, like there's a leg too. here. Yeah, with blood dripping with down. Boobs. There's a I... pair of boobs like yeah. pushed through the wall here, and somebody's like whipping it with a thing. And there's just like moans of the tortured souls everywhere, and people are screaming in agony. And it's just like nonstop. It's such a nightmare. But then at the same time, underneath all that. 
there's this rhythmic drumming. It almost kind of sounds like Goblin, like a little bit of the Goblin soundtrack okay, yeah. yep. from Suspiria. I hear that. So there's mm -hmm. this like kind of underlying this like. I was wanting constant... to see Ned Flanders as the devil down there, like oh, that's what the red guy looked like for a moment. Um, it's it's just it, to me that's such an indelible scene that I'll. Now you're looking real problematic, yeah, John. John <laughs> thank God this is audio only. That's, yeah, uh... I'm not gonna. <laughs> Um, so I, I love that. It, it really raises the fucked up factor. And there's some really visually stunning scenes that I that I um, won't soon forget. I feel like the this movie really added a lot of gothic imagery mm -hmm. that maybe we didn't see so much in the first one. There's like this kind of almost romantic kind of um, vibe to it that it reminds me a little of some hammer yeah. imagery yeah. where you have yeah. these beautiful voluptuous women with the 60s hairdos and dark eye makeup and they've got the little like flowy 90s on but then that's juxtaposed with like skeletons and snakes and spiders it has this kind of very gothic feel to it you have this creepy cemetery that we visit a few times with like i mentioned before that perfect lighting where you can really see the shadows and the crosses on the gravestones and it's just really um some really great like gothic imagery i love it um I love a lot of the potential <clears throat> of this movie, and I'll kind of explain what I mean a little bit more when I get to my cons, but some of the potential that I see in this movie is the idea of Coffin Joe's own guilt destroying him, um, of being punished by the spirit of the pregnant woman that he killed. Um, to me, these psychological forces that are working upon him lead to some wonderful supernatural seeming moments in the film. You know, like the hell thing, which is not real, but in his mind it is. So that brings me to some of the cons. One, I don't feel like this movie ever actually ends up like getting anywhere. I don't feel like Coffin Joe really has an arc and mm -hmm. nothing really significant comes of his story. And I've already talked about why I think the ending is whack. Um, it's absolutely not at all what Jose Marin's wanted to do. And I feel like it undermines like everything in the movie. I just, I, I don't like it one bit. I think that there's so many other things that could have happened here. He could have remained defiant to the end. Like we had seen him do earlier in the movie where even when faced with like existential horror, he was like, you know, he, he managed to bring himself to say like, I'm coffin Joe. I'm invincible. Nothing can hurt me. I would have liked to have seen that attitude at the end um, or for him to actually perhaps become possessed by the spirit of one of his victims. That would have been cool. Maybe maybe he would have become possessed by her spirit and then she made him kill himself. That would have been really interesting to me. Or for like the angry mob to just like kill him and he just dies. Like it like gets his come up in, you know? Or we could have also seen a different arc, which would have been more trite, but perhaps if he had changed his changed his true colors in a more gradual way rather than just like suddenly tacking it on. At the end, but like yeah. if it had been kind of an Ebenezer Scrooge kind of moment, I don't like, like that. Often Joe daycare where he takes care of the children. Yeah, he starts an orphanage. Um, <laughs> so I don't love that ending, but it at least would have been some kind of complete narrative arc. I still think that would have undermined what Jose Marins was doing with the character. Um, but still, it, it would have felt like a complete arc, even though it was trite and kind of not in keeping with the tone of the film. I think what happens just doesn't work at all. And so I feel like he doesn't have any redemption, no. not any real redemption. He doesn't have any retribution. Like, it seems like he dies, but we know there's a third movie. And so I just feel like he doesn't. And so, like, what... I don't I don't feel like he's really changed. I know that he, like, comes to Jesus or whatever, but I just kind of... 
in my head pretend that that doesn't exist since I know that that was forced upon him. So I just don't think that the ending works. There's not like a complete story here. It's it's it feels to me really just like a continuation of the like seeking a mate, trying to have a, a son punctuated with some interesting psychological moments, but no culmination of that. And so just like, it maybe he has the son and then he dies. So like he dies, but yeah, he does have the but his lineage does keep going. Exactly. So like, you know, he said earlier when he kind of got ambushed That's by like the, the group of thugs, he was like, well, you know, I've achieved my goal. I'm going to have yeah. a son, so I don't really need to go on living. But then he changes his mind. He's like, well, the baby wasn't born yet, so I need to stick around. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if he had been murdered and then the baby was born, then okay, that could have been a good continuation of the story as well, but that's not what happened. So I just, I don't feel like, I feel like there was so much potential for cool things that they could have done with this character in the storyline and none of it really gets realized. So that's, it's a letdown. Like if it, it's one of those cases where like, I think the trees are good, but there's not much forest. So there's that. Um, It's too long. I think it could have been about 20 minutes shorter. There are scenes that just go on and on and on and on and on and it doesn't really add anything. It's just like a lot of kind of silent wandering. Um, He's pretty heavy handed with his philosophy and it's pretty much the same thing that we saw in the first movie. And there's not a lot of complexity to his whole like view on life. And so all of his like talking and speechifying, it gets repetitive. You know, yep. there's not not so much exploration of it. Um, yeah. So th- those are some drawbacks, I think. But all in all, I still think that it's an advancement in some ways from the first one. I think it's really cool considering that there he he kind of was the entire horror scene in Brazil in the 60s. Like he was kind of it. And so he's kind of like, he kind of pioneered the genre in that country himself. So I give him a lot of credit for creating a really iconic character and some really fucked up like imagery and like stuff that you wouldn't expect to see in a 1950s film, like bare breasts and, you know, a devil whipping some breasts with a cat of nine tails in hell. I mean, just like pretty extreme stuff. So I give I give him a lot of credit for that. So all in all, I'm going to come down at a seven out of ten tarantula tits nice <laughs> so yeah i could i could suck on those titties oh wow <laughs> again Possibly, obviously horrific let's yet strangely erotic yes yeah. uh john what do you say uh, i'm gonna go with the negative first jacqueline everything you said about the negative is a wash rinse repeat um you know the the last movie i guess you said it was a trilogy correct correct so this movie, uh, the the tr- the last of the trilogy came out in 2008. So that's 40, 45 years later. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm going to like go out on a limb and say it's the exact same with more, you know, uh, CGI and and more technology to it. Um, there is a certain charm to this movie. As kind of cheesy as the acting was, it wasn't so cheesy. It was actually very fun. And uh, you actually brought up the, the the hell scene. You know, this movie's an hour and 44 minutes. And um, there's a lot that can be cut out. But if they cut that out, this movie wouldn't be worth a shit. Hmm. Uh, that was so much fun. I mean, the acting was ridiculous. Uh, you know, the, the moaning as if it was like a pornographic movie or something like that. Uh, it, it, it was ridiculous as well. But it was just... Man, I I don't really know other than Wizard of Oz of going from black and white to color being that effective. And this movie, uh, that that scene was maybe what seven minutes, six minutes of the movie. I think it was close to ten minutes actually. 
Oh, was it? Okay. Well, he, whatever it was, it still had this very nice feel to it because like the character that played Coffin Joe looked disheveled, like, like he was in hell, like, like he was not in control of himself. And when he got up, he realized that he was not in control of himself. And that was so much fun. Um, I kind of want to watch this movie again. Um, I actually really, really enjoyed it as cheesy as it was. And there was a lot of silliness. It was too long. Um, I don't know how excited I'll be to watch the third of the trilogy, but I'll do it. Uh, cause I really, really enjoyed the first one. This one, I didn't enjoy as much as the first one, but I'm actually going to go with you, Jacqueline. Um, seven out of 10 tarantula tits. Okay, cool. Cool. I'm impressed. I'm I'm glad that you did not hate it. No, not at all. No, I had a fun <laughs> time your with fucks it. or sucks? You said what? it fucks? I said it fucks. Okay. Well, yeah. that's a fuck. That checks out. Jack, and you actually rated this one higher than the first one. I like it what better. I give the first one? I oh, you do like it better. What did I give the first one? Uh, You gave it like a 6 or a 6.5, I think. Did I? Okay. Yeah, I did like this one but better. It was also before we really started reviewing a lot of films, too. So I feel like we've sort of like come into our... Let's see. The original... Uh, John, you gave it an eight. I gave it oh, a six point wow. five, and Jack gave sense. it a six. Yeah, that makes episode, sense. Though. That was episode five. Yeah, mm-hmm. John, you gave it an. Eight. I remember John coming in really high six. on it. Yeah, but seven checks out. I mean, that's higher than what you. That's a point higher. I've, I I stand time. by that. I stand. I stand by my original score. Yeah, and I, I, and sure I stand by this one more. being a little higher. I did like it more. I felt like it. Yeah. it like it. Like raised the stakes. I feel like when it went up a level. I might, I might touch up my score a little bit. Okay, hmm. I'm, curious. I'm curious. Heidelberg, you got me on on the edge of my seat here. Same here. All right, uh, let's see here. Let me let's scroll down my notes here. Okay, yeah. So pros, uh, the character Coffin Joe is just—he's uh, an interesting one. Um, I think Marin's plays it really well. Um, there are a couple other good characters in this film. Uh, also, like uh, I feel like there's more characters in this than there were in the first film. Um, but ultimately, it's Joe's film. Uh, it's Joe's movie, and uh, I think he carries it really well. It's his brainchild, and I think he he sees it from beginning to end. Um, and I just I do like it, like you said, his character is, is zany, but he's not overly. It's it's like there's a fine line. He's he's mustache twirling villain sort of, but in a, <laughs> yes. in a charming sort of way. They they show train tracks at one moment in the scene in this movie. I was waiting for him to put those two girls tied up on them. Uh, that's gonna happen yeah but yeah uh but you know and the gore and the effects in the first film surprised me and so did these ones that they're, they're just pretty well done for an older film of this time and also not just an older film but a, a foreign film from brazil where there was no scene there was no support to make these effects you know what i mean he was just yes. going off of what maybe he's seen in other films and how he thought maybe it was done and any like they didn't have the internet there was no research really to be done so i don't know how he came about doing some of these things and what the team was that he worked with. He did a lot of it himself or what, but um, they're impressive. You know, they, they use camera tricks and stuff like that, that I thought worked really well. And, you know, you had to use what you had. They, we didn't have computers. We couldn't just CGI stuff in later posts, you know, it had to be done in the moment. And mm-hmm. so I, I respect this film for being scrappy and like getting it done. The, the, the hell scene, it's zany. It looks like an acid trip, but I love it. Like, I really like it. I think it's cool. It's got like a Wizard of Oz sort of vibe to it or like a time, the time machine sort of vibe of like the the mole people like underground. Um, I do like that. Like the when he finally comes face to face with the devil, it's himself. Like it's a version of himself. I think that's interesting. Um, there's a lot of themes 
that you can really kind of break down in this. Uh, we've done a lot of films that dealt with motherhood. Yeah, this is another this one like sort of monstrous it, mother kind of in a different and also, way. but also fatherhood too. Like, because <clears throat> yeah. that's his main drive is he wants to be a father. You know what I mean? Uh, it's sort of a selfish reasoning. It's not just yes. because he loves children. He does, but it's because of the way he he puts children on a pedestal the way that he sees, you know, what they do for society or like what they do for mankind. Um, it's not necessarily like, Oh, I see myself and my child and like, I love them. Uh, who knows though, if given the chance to actually raise his own child, that'd be interesting to see. I don't know if the other film does that at all. Like that would be an interesting we'll take see in about two years. Yeah. Well, to see Joe with his own child, like maybe mom died during childbirth and he had his child or something like that would be interesting too. Um, there are a couple more interesting ways to end this film the way than it, than it did. And that is a detriment. But um, like I said, I think a lot of the themes that play are, are very interesting and um, they do mirror a lot of the, the same themes of the first film, but they are interesting and they're, they're, they're added upon. Um, Joe's character specifically is, is added, you know, he's got more, a little bit more depth in this, uh, the way he deals with his own struggles, his, his humanity, his, his guilt and his, um, you know, grief, uh, it's interesting to see him, you know, he's, he's not a perfect man. He likes to think he is. He tries to put that, that image out to society, but you know, he's not, he, he does have his flaws and his weaknesses. And this film kind of tackles those pretty, pretty well. I thought, um, his struggle with God too is more pronounced in this, I think than the first one. I like that him killing a child essentially, and then losing his own was pretty deep too. I thought like, um, you know, that's a hard to, to know that you've you're responsible for the death of a child and then also losing your own child. Those are very hard things to deal with. Those are real life situations that could cripple a person um, for life. And I do think it, it adds a depth of humanity to his character. Um, one that necessarily maybe you don't want to see because he's a you know, he's a fucking villain. But like the best villains have a humanity to them, too. Right. So like you can side with them in a sense enough where you understand where they're coming from and they're not totally fictional you could yeah, see villain, like yeah. that existing possibly you know what i mean yeah a villain who has 100 percent villainous qualities is not interesting it doesn't yeah it's just like comic booky right it's just like yeah. okay this is like straight out of a you know cartoon um and there are moments where he's cartoonish but i think he i feel like uh marin's knows that fine line kind of way to go with this character and, and um being the director I could see it being hard sometimes. He's got to direct himself. He's got to rein it in when he's got to know when to rein it in without anybody else telling him to, probably. So yeah. he could have just almost felt like book. he was an anti hero in this movie. A little bit. I mean, that's kind of how his character is portrayed a little bit. Like he's the, like the first one, he definitely was the, the, the antagonist to the movie, but this one, he felt more like the anti hero. A little bit. I mean, they're like, there are moments where like, so like Laura, like sees something in him. Right. And she actually is genuinely into him. She, he doesn't coerce her into being with him as far as we see, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't rape her um, mm -hmm. or anything like that, but there's so many bad qualities to this character too. It's hard oh, to like lift I mean, him up a little bit terrible. when it's like, yeah. he's, I forget like, Oh yeah, he is a rapist. So. He likes, um, and he's like, and slaps, he women, around yeah, and, he slaps yeah. women around. Yeah. Um, yeah but, and yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I also think there's just like some really um, there's some interesting camera trickery, too, that's done in this film that I thought is pretty impressive, um, you know, for a DIY sort of feel to pull some of these things off in 1967 or whenever this film was actually made. Mm -hmm. I, I, I commend him for that. Um, he has this vision and he's and he's gotten it made. Um, Hella high water. I feel like he's pushed it out, you know, um, and then the third film came out years and years later, but he still made that. And we'll see how that goes. But 
you could tell he loves this character and it's it's almost an embodiment of him a little bit too i mean he did grow his fingernails out like yeah, he did character, right? like that's just weird uh but whatever in the first movie they so, were fake but the first, that, then this know. one they look real I can't. I don't remember if they were real it's or fake so in this weird. one, but it's a weird thing because I feel like his character could not have the fingernails and still be just as evil looking and like debonair and I don't know. It really just... gives him like such a like um. It's like such a trademark. It, it, it's look weird. for him. Like he's like suave. Like these women fall for him, but it's like, did you look at his hands? Like they're gross. <laughs> you want those by your? Uh, yeah, yeah. They're okay. like, oh yeah, I want that okay. in me. Make sure those fucking fingernails. Whoa, are clean. hey, hey yeah. Now. Hey anyway, I, I that's what they, I'm not so saying. Speaking of cons, because that would be a con to me is putting those fingernails inside of me. Uh, the length of this film is just too long. It's too long. I'm sorry for me. At least it's too it long. Absolutely. It's just the, the the pacing of the film doesn't warrant a, a longer. It just says it doesn't work. It doesn't it's right. not needed. Yeah, it's a detriment to the film. Um, the editing is all over the place at times, too. It's just jarring. They do like time lapses where they don't really through editing techniques could have told you, cued you in and like, hey, time has passed. They don't do that in the film. <laughs> We're just like, meant to believe like like his wife's pregnant and then all of a sudden can have the baby. But the time in between those, I don't feel like really went by. Right. Like yeah. they had sex at the funeral. And then next thing you know, she's like having the baby. And that's not how babies work. <laughs> like, I don't it's know. It's not? <laughs> what? Yeah. I've never had one, but I, I think it's- we do have an expert on the show, though. Hydroberg's yeah, yeah. sex ed. Yeah, class right now. I learned. I've learned enough through Barbarian and uh, Hosera <laughs> to learn that you know how babies work. <laughs> they just don't work that way, even when they're supernatural. <laughs> uh, well, but what about fried berry? Oh, fried berry is different. Gotcha, alien baby. <laughs> that baby was born jizz. like five yeah, minutes that's later. A, that's a black jizz baby. That's different. Anyway, so racist. Well, all that that part out, Jack, oh, right come there. on. I'm not cutting any of this out. This is <laughs> just fucking kidding. podcast gold right here. Uh, <laughs> the editing is all over the place. Like I said, also, I have an issue with the audio and I know it's an old film, but just the, the, the loud crackling and white noise that I heard while watching this film. Yeah. So jarring. It's just like so annoying. I just constantly kept hearing it. It was like droning. And I know it's old and I know that's part of it. And it just it just still bothers me, though, that like nobody's come out like because I don't remember that as much from the first film. This film, maybe because of YouTube or just it was like a rougher cut. Maybe the DVD release is better. I don't know. But like all I kept hearing is like yeah. I was like waiting for the film to just tear apart. Like it was just <laughs> like, what is happening? Oh, you see that? You see the flare thing? And yeah, I was waiting for like separates. that cigarette burn to happen. <laughs> just and, melted. And Brad Pitt's penis to show up all of a sudden on the screen. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, getting This is getting hotter and hotter, yeah. you guys. Uh, so just this is going on a best of clip, by the way. Yeah, uh, this sort of film to me is interesting, though. And just I don't know, just it's just not for me, though. Like, I, I don't know. It's tough to say, though, because with the discussion, I, I they're, they're thinking back on it. Like there are things that I really did enjoy about it. And I do like the character, but mm-hmm. I did struggle to stay awake during some of it. I'll be honest. And that's part of the pacing, too. Mm-hmm. It's just a very long and slow movie. Um, mm-hmm. And it's old. It just didn't keep me. And it's old. And it's old. You know, it <laughs> looked like a damn. horse. This movie. But oh, uh, God. But no, it's like it, Julia Roberts. But it is it, it's a decent film, though. Like and I do love he did some creative things to that. Hell scene is fucking like John said, that hell scene makes this movie like I, it's a it's a winning scene. I just loved it. I loved the zaniness of it and how quick like we just it just turned. I did not anticipate color coming into the to play. And I was just so impressed by that. The fact that he went there, I thought that was very interesting, um, especially in 1967. Um and like I said, uh, like a lot of what I liked about the first film is here in this film. 
but it's just mostly it's mostly redundant it's like mm-hmm. a rehash of yeah. and it's not like a rehash of like like evil dead 2 rehash where it improves on it it does a little bit i guess i think evil dead 2 adds some of the like the zaniness that you don't get from the first film i don't know it adds the chainsaw hand and the boomstick that wasn't exactly i think old. that's a conversation for another day um so yeah i just i think the first film was a nice hour and, and 24 minutes and it just it got the point across really well it, it introduced this character really well and i do think that this film did a couple cool things with this character but it just like you said there was no arc it didn't move the story like he's still just a guy trying to rape women and have like the best kid that he can have i didn't see what that said john i was looking at my notes but um so with that said, I'm going to give uh, this night I'll possess your corpse, Coffin Joe 2, Electric Boogaloo. I'm going to give it, I'll give it six. I don't know. I had it at 5.5, but I'll give it six out of 10 tarantula tits. That's basically right. the same that I gave the first one. Okay. All right. Six. I think that's respectable. So I enjoyed it, but it doesn't really move the needle for me. I get it. Yeah. Would you get the I first one again, all... Hedgeburg? I think I gave it a six as well. I think you gave it okay. a 6.5. Maybe. Yeah, it might have. Yeah, see. you gave it a 6. It a so it's dropped a little bit. Yeah, 6.5. Yeah, 6.5. Mine was a okay. 6. 6.5 feels too high for this film for me. Okay. okay. Fair. No, I, I think all your criticisms were valid. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. John, the only point that I really disagree with on you about is that, like, without the hell scene, the film would be trash. I just, I don't, I wouldn't go that far. I do think it's the best scene in the movie, but I don't yeah, think, I do that think the rest it of it is trash. Cool. Yeah, it, and maybe that was too harsh, but I, I, I think it was just so effective for me. You know, the, the fact that it was in Hyderberg, you you reiterated it. It was almost like Wizard of Oz. You know, it was just yeah. so so out of place, but so well placed. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do so think good. I think the hell scene is a very key scene here. I think him, the message of him having killed a pregnant woman who, you know, a woman who had a child. That's that needs to stay in the film. Like that's key sure. to his development as a character. I think him yes. losing his wife and his child, like finally getting his child almost, and then losing it like that humbles him in a, in a way. Um, I think those are key moments and those are the growth moments in, in his character that I would have liked to see a little bit more of uh, maybe the back and forth with him and the church a little bit too, like build up. I, maybe he couldn't because of censorship, but that would have been interesting too, as a guy who's like anti-faith to go up against the church a little bit, maybe. It could have been good. I mean, there, there, there's some of the fluff that could, could have gotten cut out of that. But Jacqueline, I also agree with you that it was like very much a hammer film. You yeah. know, the weight was there shot. There is that vibe to it. Yeah, it's like Spooky yeah. Castle. Yeah. Skeletons in the darkness. Yeah. Or The Haunted House with Vincent Price. Sort of. Yeah. Well, no, the hammer thing, like, it's, you know, it's kind of a, it has its own flavor in the film aesthetic yeah. world. Yep. But really all it is is just like a very gothic romantic vibe and yeah. so like you know hammer didn't invent that but it did stylize it in film but to they, a very, they, like recognizable degree but jose marins has been has been quoted as saying that like he hasn't really followed a lot of directors work and like if you in the interview that i read it's like oh who are your influences or who do you like what other film director he's like ah, i don't really know so much and he himself you know he's really famous for coffin joe but outside of Coffin Joe, he's done films in all kinds of genres, like dramas and westerns and stuff. And so he's not just limited hard to horror. to believe, though, on someone who was kind of raised on film, though. Like, as to picture, like, a little kid watching films and, and absorbing all this to the point where he's created his own character and his own films. Well, this Maybe is 1967, so... like who, his, who his influencers were, but I feel like he's got to have been influenced from maybe, you know, like, the original... Uh, Universal monsters and 
Yeah. I, I agree well, so with here's that. The I, I just found the quote in the interview. Um, if I, if I could read it, for just, it's short. Um, the interviewer says, did you have any favorite directors or reference when you were making your films? And he said, I really know very few things. I've never followed other directors work. Once I attended a talk show in the United States and we talked about foreign horror and I had some people explaining to me about Dario Argento, Mario Bava and other horror directors. I also discovered Buñuel many years after his best movies. So those directors, I would I would say, are not particularly mainstream. Like somebody who's not really into horror is not going to know Mario Bava. Um, So maybe he was maybe he through his youth you know going to the movies a lot maybe he was just aware of very mainstream things were they even make were they making their films as like during this time too like Ma- mario bava made some films in the 60s like okay. black sunday the, black 70s, Sabbath. the early 80s are like a, a, mm-hmm. the large time frame from a lot of those are just i think i feel think, like started in the 70s or okay. you know at least started hitting his peak in- yeah i think hydrobook hit, hit it on the head is these 30s universal movies universal monster movies That's where it was just like this but I also I also think uh, going back to the uh, hammer thing is that you're right, Jacqueline. It's very gothic, very uh, you know, um, um, almost like a romantic type thing. Yes. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I think they may have taken from this movie, like maybe like the Hammer Studios said, "Hey, check this movie out or check these two movies out," and kind of base it around that. You know, because Christopher, like, like the. There's almost identical shots of Christopher Lee getting a close up on his eyes, going bloodshot, you know, mm-hmm. as Dracula. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, we, yeah, these movie movies were 16- always very, very on the fringe, like not well known at all outside of Brazil. But then again, you know, I don't know what the horror viewing habits of the folks at Hammer might have been. I feel at like this film time, snobs but... like might have been into them, like because mm-hmm. they they they. I don't know they take in everything that they can as mm-hmm. far as film goes so there's well, i just think of that famous scene of, of yeah when christopher lee's like dracula or, or a couple of them where it's just like close up on his eyes and they're all bloodshot you know you see the dracula blue in his eyes vibes. but it's very very uh, uncannily similar to what you saw with with uh, a coffin joe right yeah Could yeah, be. Uh, yeah who knows which like way it went like, slash sorry? dracula Yes. Uh, no, definitely. just his like his his sort of vibe is very Jekyll and Hyde and and Dracula esque. Like he's sure. like a sort of. I agree. Yeah. You know, with the cape and his whole garb and everything, his yeah. fancy. His so demeanor. yeah, I don't have a lot of trivia. Um, the I was fr- while somebody was talking, I was frantically trying to find the part in the interview where he was talking about how he was forced by the censors to change the ending. And I realized why I couldn't find it. It's because it's not from that interview. I read it on Wikipedia. But <laughs> Those pages are stuck together in the magazine. That's why you couldn't They find sure it. are. Um, <laughs> you guys don't even want to know. But <clears throat> yeah, so Wikipedia gave that information, but didn't expand on that any as to you know what the intended ending had been. But Jose Marins did feel that being forced to do that was a curse. So that sucks. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so this is just, I mean, this is a pretty fringy movie. And I feel like not until maybe the 90s did it become available to American viewers. And so now nowadays, you know, horror people like us are probably a little bit more aware. But there's just not that much written uh, about it's this. It's on DVD. So, yeah, it's the on DVD. I don't think it has a Blu-ray at all. No, it doesn't at all. So I don't know if there's a reason for that or what. But yeah. So I'm I, actually I kind of good... psyched to watch the latest movie or the the most recent movie. Me too. Me yeah. too. I am too. 
Because I, I want to see what this character and what this actor and director does in, same. you know, I feel like it's in color. So it's sort of going to be. Yeah, going to be different. Yeah. Huh. But, I don't know. Um, sure, but I think it is. So I have a good friend named Alberto and um, I had hoped to have him on the show, but he had some family stuff going on. But uh, he loves Coffin Joe and knows a lot about Jose Mojica Marins and the whole series and other movies that he's been in. And he told me that he knows somebody who's actually writing like a definitive like encyclopedic book about Coffin Joe and that like this person is the go-to person. Um, we weren't really able to like we just didn't make a connection happen but uh, I don't know maybe for the third one I could get in touch with Alberto and this this guy that he knows. Yeah. I got a question for you guys. Yeah. What if we had a remake of this movie as a trilogy? What do you guys think? And Rob Zombie did it? Mm. Shut up. We already talked about Rob Zombie. <laughs> what? I can mention it again. <laughs> I, to be honest with you, I don't know. Because I feel like the driving force that he has and the way he kind of achieves his ends is like not palatable to modern audiences. And I feel like audiences today who are watching these films are very aware of like the time frame in which these were made. Not that it was acceptable then, but it was... What if it's foreign? Yeah, it was less likely for people to speak out against these types of things like rape and, you know, trying to find women just to breed with and this whole like. I get it. We, we've got to go under the microscope of 2023. I get that. But the one thing that keeps popping into my head is the, the beauty that was the lighthouse from Robert Eggers. Yeah. You know, the, the fact that it was like gritty and just yeah. like, like not perfectly shot but it was perfectly shot it was like yeah, a guy that. like that being able to take the whole essence of this movie obviously it, you got a microscope of 2023 and you're not going to put this shit in a movie because it, it would not be made today just like that because yeah. if it was it would be shunned but i'm just saying I, I i think there's something there mm. I just don't know how you would revive this character and his story with, like, while Without still managing to avoid it. the problematic stuff. Also, the guy portraying the That's character true. was like, he created that. Like, he lived and breathed that character. I feel like. So he's all about that character. It'd be tough to just hire somebody to come in and play this guy that I feel well, like Jose, what? Well, in the third movie, you know, he was else. much older. They yeah. do hire, there is an actor who plays his younger version of okay. himself. Like but that's also with his, in it, but but it's sure he did especially. the casting for that too and agreed upon that guy. That's true. That's true. John, that is an interesting take though. Like that, you could remake this film in a cool way. Uh, keep it black. I'd love to bring it. I, I mean, hopefully, people listening to this will go check it out on YouTube. Seriously, because yeah. you're not you're not going to hate it. <laughs> yeah, and if you're a <laughs> film buff at all, like this is something I feel like you should just get in your lexicon of like, it's not going to kill you to watch uh, like three hours of these. The first two, at least. And then if you like, like watch the first one and the second one. Yeah. Agreed. I don't know anything about the third, but I can vouch for those. And even though I gave them sixes, like they're still, I, they're enjoyable. Like I don't, don't begrudge Jacqueline for like making me. Well, I prefer this over poultry guys. I'm never going to hear the end of that. Am I? No, you're not. I never hear the end of thanks killing. So, and it's been I, that, not for me. That's not for yeah, me. From John. He's constantly talking about. Well, yeah. We got, we got to find something to give John shit for. What's the well, worst we're gonna thing be doing Allegoria. I, I think there's a movie we're going to be but doing say, a live that watch one. of where, you, I where do. you guys can't give me shit about it. What'd you say, John? I think uh, what I'm planning on here later this year is doing a live watch party for a movie that you guys may give me shit on. 
No, no, it's a movie that I love. So I grew up I, on that. I'm film. not going to give you I, any shit for that. I watched that movie on USA Up all night back in the day. Well, you'll never hate me then, so I'm good with that. Dang it! It's yeah, zany, see, I don't, I don't movie, hate but... Allegoria, so I don't have anything to give. Josh I did for, not like Allegoria. I know you. Yeah, <laughs> I gave I mean. it a 1.5. Most hated. I forgot about the brown Sorry. All right. Well, okay. So I think that's it for old Coffin Joe for tonight. Thanks, fellas. That was fun. Yeah. Coffin Joe too, electric boogaloo. Yeah, <laughs> tarantula tits. You gotta love that. Tarantula I did, I did there, like that. There were tarantula. There were many tarantula tarantulas on tits. There's no there, lie here. There were. Um. All right. So next week we got a, something something a little special coming up. Uh. Yeah, we, we do. will be we will be covering. Yes, it's Hyderberg's pick, and he has chosen Dead Alive. The classic. The, the classic. Peter Jackson's classic. Dead alive. Hugh Jackson, also known as uh, Brain Dead, and yeah, P- what did I say? Hugh Jackson. I said it's Hugh Peter Jackson. Jackson. Oh, Hugh. Oh, I think Hugh I said, I, I thought said Peter Jackson. Hugh, anyway. Whatever. It's Peter Jackson, Jackson from uh, New Zealand. Yeah, uh, it. Yeah, in the uh, in the UK, it's known as uh, Brain Dead. I believe. I did not know that. Yeah. Guys, um, I got to say something. I'm so sorry. I've got a lot going on on because uh, I know we're going a day early. I do have to work, so I'm sorry I won't be here for it. But please, please, um, I'm gonna give it a uh, no, 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 don't give no, it no, yet. No, 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 don't fucking do that. Just, oh, okay, just okay. Give us, I'll, I'll chime in. I'll chime in. Send us a little review. I promise. Send us your review. Don't, don't, okay, I will do that. And so it's okay that you won't be here because we're gonna have some special guests. Really? Yes, we will. In the form of Shaggy Black and Jose of the Cinema Villains. Yay! Yes. We've known these Cinema guys villains. for a long time, but they have not appeared on our show yet. So. I tried to get them on for this a while back. They were just scheduling issues. Yeah. Like, I fucking missed that. Damn well, I'm, I'm glad that yeah, it's I'm finally happening. Up. I could, we couldn't get them on for Monday because Shaggy has work, too. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, right. I tell you what, I, I feel like this is guaranteed to be a, a fun episode next week. Between the movie and our guests, Like this is just going to be a, a raucous time. Yeah, they're a riot on their own show. <laughs> Yeah, they they, they are a riot. That, that is what that's they why are. I purposely picked this film and I saved it for them. I said to Jose like a year ago, I said, what if you guys came on for like, I want to bring you guys on for something crazy. And I was like, what about Dead Alive? And he was like, yes. And so I've just been holding it. I, I had it on the schedule a while back. I had to push it mm-hmm. once. Uh, John, so yes, I want you to record your take on it and I will. send it to me and I'll post it in the episode next week. I'm so fucking bummed. I'm gonna be missing those guys. Give them my love, though. I mean, I will. will. I'll let Bummed you know what I think about the movie. But yeah, I'm I'm bummed. I won't be here, but I'm so happy they're gonna be on the show. So excited! Awesome. All right. Well, everyone, make sure you go and watch Dead Alive and join us back here next week for that. Um, also, just a reminder that coming up pretty soon, I think just three or four episodes from now, yeah. we are going to be reaching our 100 episode milestone. Feels we- so old. I know. What? Just call me grandma. So we'll be doing some special things that week. Uh, Just like last year when we hit our 50th episode, we'd like to solicit listeners to write into us, ask us questions that we can answer. Um, You guys had some great ones last year for our 50th episode. But yeah, ask us anything, anything. And I promise we will answer it. That's going to be a promise I might not be able to deliver on, but I'm going to say it anyway. So you can ask us anything and we will answer it. Uh, so write in uh, or if you just want to like 
tell us what you like or don't like about the show. We always welcome your feedback. We we want to hear more from you guys. So if that's something you'd like to communicate with us on, you can email us at <clears throat> a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cut above horror. You can catch us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. Michelle Pfeiffer's hotter than Julia Roberts. Oh, uh, yes. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, cut above colon horror review. And don't forget to give us those uh, five star ratings on uh, iTunes and Spotify. We greatly appreciate it. It gets the uh, show out there to people that aren't familiar with it. So we appreciate you. That it does. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for a great episode. And everybody, meet us back here next week for Dead Alive. And keep it creepy.